Coronavirus is the biggest threat this country has faced for decades. We're seeing the devastating impact of this invisible killer. There will come a moment when no health service in the world could possibly cope because there won't be enough ventilators, enough intensive care beds, enough doctors and nurses. That is the moment of real danger. The new variant is out of control and we need to bring it under control and this news about the new variant has been a uh, an incredibly difficult end to, frankly, an awful year. And it's important for everybody to act, essentially act like they might have the virus. And that's the way that we can control it together. The way ahead is hard. And it is still true that many lives will sadly be lost. Our advisory group on new and emerging respiratory virus threats, NERVTAG, has spent the last few days analyzing this new variant. It may be up to 70% more transmissible than the old variant, the original version of the disease. You, you might be infectious, and that's the way that we have to behave at this moment. Assume you might be infectious, assume you might be infectious, and that's the way that we have to behave at this moment. Today, the United Kingdom's chief medical officers have advised that the country should move to alert level five, meaning that uh, if action is not taken, NHS capacity may be overwhelmed within 21 days. And it's going to spread further, and I, I must level with you level with the, the British public, um, more families, uh, many more families, are going to lose loved ones before their time. Your colleague on stage, John Edmonds, has just sent me a statement saying that as far as he's concerned, this is the worst moment of the epidemic because of the extraordinary inf infectivity of this new strain. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I mean, this is a horrible moment, for sure. I to say, as I'm really sorry to hear about your two relatives who died from this virus. I mean, it is a very dangerous virus uh, for many people. We're looking to move to a different regime. So as we come to the fourth step, we will change the basic tools that we have used to control human behaviour.
behind are going to be doing a stream with Public Broadcasting Network. Get out of the way. Uh, all right. Hello. All right, Brian. Hi. Hi. Oh, hi, hi Janet. Uh, yes, yes, I'm here. And um, yeah, the board op said I could get both of you on and then at the top of the hour, dial in the studio. So I just wanted to make sure I could get both of you. So we still have 10 minutes. Uh, okay. Um, you want to just put stuff on mute for a little while as uh, I'm trying to just bring people in on my side. I was a little late. Getting... Yeah, that would be fine. Okay. All right. Um, I'll mute my mic. Uh, all right, folks. So, yes, what's been happening? Uh, sorry for the radio silence. Obviously, I went to Tokyo. I did. I think I did a stream when I came back from Tokyo. Obviously, there's the um when the epidural right wears off there's a uh <laughs> what do we say a rebound and I, I i'd agreed to do a presentation for uh, japanese doctors and people who've um been hurt by vaccines in the uh, um i'll just uh, hang that up but the, the <sighs> In Japan, basically, and so I was sort of um, trying very hard to pare a presentation down to 20 minutes. Uh, that was uh, Kevin McKernan um, was also a part of that, um, not stream, but uh, I don't know what you call it, meeting, uh, I don't know, uh, seminars on uh, on zoom now that uh passes for academic debate and the um the simple thing is i i was just um very time strapped and so um i'd agreed to talk with republic broadcasting network and i thought we were gonna they initially contacted me to stream about because they've heard me talking about communitarianism, what I, why I think it's uh, problematic. It's very much the uh, what should we say the, the the politics for the quote unquote fourth industrial revolution, and the uh, and it's uh, it doesn't it don't have your best interests at heart. Put it that way and um but i think what they want to do is have me talk with uh someone who thinks that viruses aren't real so uh i'm always up for that uh conversation and the uh the well we'll we'll see how it goes and it was supposed to start on the hour and um we'll we'll go from there so what was you know what sorry i didn't stream i recorded mine and as kev actually came much later in the session like 1 a.m i i was i was there for it but i forgot to hit the record button and i forgot to hit the stop record button at the end of it i got to my desk this morning and it's still recording so uh, me trying to just upload it as a, a you know, some, something to watch as a stream. I, I'm not. I'm not sure how useful that's going to be for um, anyone who f follows the account. Uh, anyone who follows the account, 
daily and knows the the full scope of the work that I do here. It was it was very compressed stream, rapidly going over sort of surface overview of um, issues that we are dealing with, and um, there's, there was nothing new in it. Um, I suppose I got the chance to bring up uh, the superbryon hypothesis as a uh, potential, if if that's what we're dealing with as an extinction level event, maybe. And the um, and, and but the thing is because there's the language barrier with uh, Japanese and English, it's a it's a slow. Um, a, a process to sort of um, work through so I, I, I don't know um, it, they will put it up online they they need to do another um, session where it's going to be Japanese doctors talking about their experience clinicians and this uh, this I hope will um, then be edited and put up put online and made available for everyone to um to watch if you if you want to um so let's see um i'm doing this uh i love the snippet with my mum uh yeah good old mum so i need to speak to her today um sun sunday is usually when i speak to my mum but um let's see uh, round table with Joanna, Baikalin, Questin, plus IVM and the usual others. Um, uh, you, you want me to do a round table with Joanna? I'm, I, I'm, I can always pivot um, away from any anything that I'm doing to uh, include a stream with Joanna. Um, so we haven't done one in a while, and the uh, but there, there there are a few things that. I want to, well, I'm still trying to drill in onto the, um, well, the the intellectual property space around what is in the pipeline for um, treatment of prion-like protein misfolding, proteinopathies, however you want to describe them. Um, I found a couple of interesting uh Clinical trials, uh, small molecule uh, inhibitors that seem seem to be of interest. Now, um, again, my initial take on them is that they're they're, they're agents that can slow down progression somewhat, but they're no. Uh, that they're not cures. It doesn't make the the issue go away. And I think anything that we would um, implement as a countermeasure in this instance would be uh, all, always subject to um, that that type of um, limitation. Um, I'm in terms of scientific. Um, news. I'm I'm going to go all out whilst we have um, vaccine vials. Um, I think I'm going to go for uh, rodent intracellular intracerebellar injection, and uh, just to see. I want to see if we can ta tag 
uh, at least amyloidogenic peptides, it'd probably be beyond the uh, the scope of what I'm doing um, with. Hang on. Maybe joining. Okay. Ring the group. I don't know what that means. In the group, is that working? All right. I, I I think the stream is about to start. Oh, so. The connecting. Um. Yeah. I I, I don't know what's happening there. Uh. So. Uh, low-flying planes soon to begin dropping rabies vaccines in Alabama. Mm. Oh, what to make of that? I mean, rabies is not a good thing either. But then, you know, what's the uh, what are the long-term consequences? And the last place that we knew that they were doing that, uh, which was Alberta province, I think, in Canada, they had a whole cluster of. Uh, CJD type illnesses so um, let's see oh, it just uh, it just dropped me from that call so um, I'll stop uh, I don't know what's happening uh, never mind. Oh, I'll just keep. Oh, there we go. I think it's this one. Hello. Uh, your microphone is off. Yeah. Okay. I guess we're connected. Is yes. Jen uh, still there? <laughs> uh, I don't know. I see Brian. So that must be okay. Mm. Yeah. So are we? actually live on air now uh, you're live my side um i'm streaming this as well so uh just you sound uh, great you sound really good <laughs> okay so uh just just as long as you know that um i'm streaming my end um i was i wasn't sure of the topic i thought we we were going to be discussing communitarianism and, and tyranny but uh it seems uh there wants to be discussion about um the validity of um, viruses. The new treaty? Ah, yeah. The World Health Organization, the, the new provisions of the World Health Org treaty that uh, for vectors, is that what we're going to be dealing with? Um, maybe. Maybe. Um, we'll, we'll see. But I, like I say, I think some of it was uh, about the... Oh, I, I see someone ringing. Um, start when you can uh, um, with whatever you've got. They're, they're, both of their lines are ringing. Uh, I, hi, I'm here. There, there we go. I see you. Okay, you guys stay mute until uh, until Jenna starts everything. Okay. Oh, and we, we don't uh, maybe take the uh, video off. We don't. It's only sound here and gives us a little more bandwidth to work with. Okay. Right. And 
and good evening. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. I am Jenna Shaputis hosting tonight's broadcast. Ingrid allowed the floor because I was I was planning on interviewing Catherine Watt, who Brian and I had hunted down two days ago. And I understand her reasoning for withdrawing. And in so it just in the past 24 hours, I've secured Lynn Intel and Dr. Kevin McCarn. And um, I still, you know, the essence of Catherine being on as a paralegal, and um, I do have a lot of respect for her work because it's beyond most of our capacity. And she doesn't mince words, and she directly related her legal research timeline to a military weaponization generated through the WHO as the military arm of the UN. And she also connected communitarian law, which as you know, myself, Brian, and a few others on RBN have been trying to connect the relevance and the supranational binding agreements coming from the UN military arm traces back to the WHO's constitution. And um, in Catherine Watt's Substack at Ballywick News, um, I was just looking at Article 22 setting forth in Annex 5. There's specific measures for a vector-borne disease. And that went back to 1946. And then 2020 hit, and that was a change. And so therefore it sets things in motion disabling each country, nation, state, individual states of autonomous choice. And that vector has been redefined. And through misinformation through the past, over the past four years, you know, it might be at nauseum, we've all been really looking hard at this, but trying to understand how they're defining these terms. And I read in this annex that a party may invoke a fundamental change of circumstance as a ground to terminate or withdrawal from this treaty. So in the United States, we might have that glimmer of hope for each state to opt out withdraw from the measures going. And it's grounds for suspending this operation of the treaty. So my two guests tonight, I hope we could begin by speaking to this vector because Dr. Kevin McCarn has identified the prion vector. And I want you to introduce, Kevin, if you if you don't mind, introduce yourself, your what you know, what brought you to this point, and um, what you're actively doing. Good evening, Kevin. Uh, good evening. Uh, so just a quick, I guess, bio introduction from myself. Uh, prior to the pandemic, I was a systems neuroscientist working on what's called corticobasal ganglia um, disorders. Uh, these include some of the uh, most well-known neurodegenerative, but also uh, disorders around uh, neuropsychiatric presentations, things like OCD. I was um, I would model these disorders in primates uh, with a you to having them treated via um, brain implants, uh, essentially like a pacemaker for the brain called deep brain stimulation. Um, I got um, pulled into the 
pandemic, basically. One, because of early contact, uh, I, I got infected at the what was essentially Asia's largest super spreading event in South Korea. Um, had a very rough time with the uh, initial um, infection. And then I started to see what I could um, put were very obvious narrative control networks being injected into the public dialogue as scientists or a loose coalition of scientists and um, interested individuals were trying to raise the possibility that uh, the molecular biology um, that we could uh, derive from SARS has all the fingerprints of a... Uh, 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 synthetic uh, virus, uh, well, what's technically we'd call a chimera, meaning a mix of uh, different uh, epitope sequences, meaning protein sequences from uh, different um, viral uh, clades. And I was uh, strongly try or putting a lot of effort into trying to counter the narrative that it was just natural spillover um, and trust me we'll, we'll certainly look at how they would want to use the premise of natural spillover, zoonosis as a means of instantiating um, control over populations by being able to declare pandemics in this instance and I'm a uh, of the fundamental belief that if we can pin them down with respect to SARS being of synthetic origin, then we can um, push back against some of the more egregious overreach that we have from uh, some of these transnational and uh, government deep state organizations. Agreed. Yep. And I appreciate your work on this. And I know you've been heavily censored. Uh, yes. So, yes. <laughs> so um, Lynn Ertel is my other guest tonight. And I have come across her outspoken uh, use of the English language and knowledge of historical events. Lynn Ertel participates on fakeologist.com. And she came on willing to, because she has done a lot of looking into this subject. So Lynn, do you have any opening um, opening words or a short bio for our, our listeners? Well, my background is uh, in software engineering. Um, I hold a master's from the uh, Applied Physics Lab at Johns Hopkins University, acquired in the 90s at the time when uh, the first AI or I, well, I don't like using the term AI. I've always said it was hype and we used to laugh at it because there's actually plenty of artificial, unlimited artificial, but very little real intelligence in it. We called it machine learning. So my background is in reverse engineering logic from code. Uh, so I, I kind of reverse engineer a lot of things when I'm studying them. What Kevin is describing sounds to me very much like what Professor Francis Anthony Boyle was saying in March of 2020 when uh, the COVID pandemic was first proclaimed and announced. 
uh, he said he had looked at the documentation and he was convinced that there were chimeric, as Kevin has called them, or artificial uh, genetic sequences that had been inserted into some kind of naturally occurring pathogen. And that therefore, the, bio, the biological we- international biological weapons treaties that he had actually written for the most part, Professor Boyle, he, he, that's his specialty. He's not a medical or scientific guy. He's basically a legal, a legal guy. Uh, and he wrote these treaties and he said that from what he had seen of the, uh, the presence of synthetic or lab created features of this new virus they claim to have isolated in from his standpoint, definitely revealed that this was a bioweapon and that therefore the treaty had been violated. So he was he was calling it criminal from the outset. I didn't really want to jump on that bandwagon because I felt like a lot of this was fear mongering. I saw the videos coming out of China in early 2020 with people collapsing spontaneously on the street. And they looked very phony to me. And I looked at the politics of the thing. And then I looked at event 201, the tabletop exercise that they had in, uh, in uh, late 2019. And I looked at the role of the Wuhan military games for staging the narrative and the involvement of the military and a host of other things. Uh, suggested to me that this was really a hoax. Now, <laughs> whether they're really doing uh, bioweapons development in Wuhan, is it a DSL-3 or a DSL-4 lab? And they do have these labs. Apparently, they had a four or five in Ukraine as well. What they're doing, what they're working on, ostensibly, it's bioweapons research. Fauci and Peter Daszak of the Eka Health Alliance set up the staffing and the financing for the research in Wuhan. They authorized the gain-of-function research. But that doesn't necessarily prove to me that the psychological operation that was passed off in the media in early 2020 was legitimate. To me, it's still a hoax. So the question of what sort of bioweapons they're working on, whether they really do spread a transmissible virus or whether that's just bullshit, if you'll excuse the expression, that's separate, separate, I think, from the legal issue of just what kind of research are they doing at these labs and uh, why, why was this research outsourced to China where it could be directly overseen by the far-sighted individuals of the ideological warfare department of the People's Liberation Army and the Chinese Communist Party who did have a problem in Hong Kong at the time. They had an out of control a dissent situation in Hong Kong with crowds on the streets. And they really did need an excuse to shut it down. And surely, very conveniently, this COVID thing came along and they were able to say, well, we've got an epidemic here and we're gonna have to clear the streets. We're gonna have to impose medical martial law. And initially, what the Chinese government was sort of spreading, was the idea that this had been a deliberate attack on China, a bioweapons attack on China by the United States. And they pointed to the members of the United States team at the Wuhan military games, who we are told got kind of sick and underperformed at those games. They pointed to that as evidence for this. So 
you can see I'm kind of dividing, divided on where I'm coming at from this. Kevin is looking at it from a scientific point of view. And me, I'm looking at it as a psychological operation. And just how much real science there is behind it and what we think about virology and the way in which the PCR process was perverted and twisted and has been historically, according to Carrie Mullis, the inventor of the PCR. I, I have to say the interviews I have watched of Carrie Mullis, where he explains Fauci's fraudulent career, were very, made a, had a very powerful uh, effect on me and came to shape my view of the thing. So anyway, <laughs> in an overly wordy description, that's where I'm coming from on this. Kevin, do you have a comment? Um, I, I would say that generally I'm in agreement with respect to when when dealing with this type of next generation warfare, psychological warfare is a big part of it. Um, but the question I would ask is, uh, why why would they use, um, what was the aim of that psychological warfare? What what was the end goal in in the uh, in the use of um, mass? mass programming that we did see and what was the what was the role of counter narratives being injected into the uh, the public debate it wasn't really a public debate there was um there was one you're going to comply to the orthodox uh view of what happened and we know uh, and i ran very squarely into that uh, censorship early on because of um, my contact with that circulating pathogen very uh, very early on uh, late uh, 2019 in the December and from my own uh, experience um, clinical and professional experience I had uh, uh, insight into what would what would be called neurocovid now which is uh, its propensity to attack the central nervous system and um, it, it caused a um, well a severe state of delirium for me um, during the uh, the febrile state and so I was trying to warn people as we were hearing about the outbreak in China that it's not just a respiratory um, pneumonia as uh, people would understand it and you can look at the scientific literature that goes back uh, to the first SARS uh, viruses uh, other coronaviruses that are in circulation OC43 etc there's uh, four of them that we recognize that circulate um, seasonally and there's a general acceptance within the literature that these are what's technically called neurotropic agents they have the ability to um, get past the uh, the blood-brain barrier and insert themselves into neural tissue and um, potentially cause a, a whole well a, a severe um, severe infection, but also uh, more critically, is what we what we now 
or a lot of people would talk about now, um, I've been talking about for a long time, is um, inc incapacitation. And so in the biowarfare space, um, treaties have been signed since the 60s, outlawing, and in this, uh, this instance, Professor Boyle is correct, um, he did call it a bioweapon from day one. I didn't want to step into that space um, immediately. I was um, uh, living in Asia, knowing Chinese science institutions, etc. My the more post parsimonious explanation to myself was uh, they've um, they've got lax standards and they've uh, allowed a. Uh, breach to occur within the laboratory infrastructure. Um, lab origin pathogens have been um, recorded multiple times. It's even happened within the pandemic with SARS-2 um, itself. And this is after it, it had been identified. Um, it had escaped from uh, a laboratories. I'm going to say it might have been twice, at least once in um, Taiwan. And but the 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 point being that um in in a in a environment where uh the if there's been a decision to go to war to and what is war that it's just trying to achieve political aims through uh, other means than the usual process of of dialogue um of, of course, they would um, have in place um, mechanisms to control and um, shape people's perceptions. Now, you know, when people say, well, people collapsing in China, etc., um, people dismiss that, but then they're not, they jump on every sort of public collapse that we have. Um, these days when someone is performing, be it uh, athletes or uh, well, performers, generally people who are exerting themselves. So um, I, would, I would try to have a broader filter at the moment uh, to pass this data to try to actually extract what happened. Wonderful. Okay, we're heading into a break, but um, consequently, unanimously, um, the populations have been disabled, either economically, physically, um, psychologically, and that disability gives way for a remedy of ableism. And I'm seeing all of these uh, communitarian community services stepping up to take over this disabled population. And that in turn is removing our freedoms. So I believe we're heading into a break for about two minutes. And when we come back, we'll uh, pick up the conversation. Uh, wait, I'm not hearing the music. Maybe we're gonna go through it. Um, Lynn, do you have a comment? Yeah. You guys, uh, you guys you're, on, you're on break right now. Oh, uh, oh, I'm oh, just taking the sound out of your ear so you can talk. We can keep talking, okay. You're not oh. on the air right now. Thank you, thank you. I didn't know, okay. Um, yeah, I guess it'll go to you next, Lynn. Yeah, Kevin, were you actually in China itself or in Wuhan? No, I was in where I think where I picked up. Yeah, it was Korea. Um, I was visiting there. My lab um, was there. 
and I'd gone back to help a colleague um, with a project uh, end of November, December, and um, the city uh, is called Daegu, and I don't know if you can cast your mind back, but um, there was a cult, which is called the Sinchioji cult, who uh, was responsible for this mass super-spreading event. And um, they actually were, um, they had, I don't want to say churches, but chapters in Wuhan and were traveling back and forth um, from Korea to China. And that's how they... This sounds a lot like Am Shinrikyo in Japan. Do you remember that? They were also accused of spreading a, a weapon of some kind either a bioweapon or a chemical weapon, on the well, mass transit system. That was a and chemical weapon, um, sarin. Um, sarin, okay, sarin gas, which is a, a nerve agent, is that right? That is correct, yes. Um, they so actually, you could easily mistake chemical toxic poisoning for uh, a biological source, couldn't you? Um, no, I mean, the uh, the impact of chemical weapons tends to be particularly nerve agents like sarin etc tend to be far more immediate the mechanisms tend to be singular in how they induce their uh, effects so in this case um you can so what's sarin doing it's basically acting at the neuromuscular junction doesn't allow. Right, we're going back on the air in a, in a few seconds. Uh, Jenna, let me know when you want to do your clips. Okay. With a message, you know, just a message. I'll on take it Sure, right. sure. Okay. Yeah. Right, here we go. Putting right. you on the air now. Well, welcome back, everyone. I'm Jenna Chaputis, sitting in for Angry Castle tonight. And my guests are Dr. Kevin McCarran and Lynn Ertel. And offline, we were just discussing um, Kevin's uh, distinction between a chemical weapon and a biological weapon, because what he experienced in Vietnam brought up a conversation that we had. And maybe we'll, we want to just jump in with that distinction, Kevin. Sure. Um, it wasn't Vietnam. <laughs> I was in. I'm not that old. But um, so the, the what's what's the distinction between classical um, chemical weapons versus uh, bioweapons. Well, chemical weapons tend to have a rapid onset and the mechanism of action tends to be singular in the uh, the tissue or organ system that it will in uh, it will impact. And some of the more deadly agents are um, Essentially, they're uh, excitotoxins that cause uh, an overload in synaptic um, transmission. And people will um, essentially go into paralysis, um, be unable to breathe, etc. There are also the um, cyanide-type um, gases as well, just, to, just to, as a brief, brief examples, whereas... Um, spreadable pathogens to, will have a slower onset. They, um, and depending on the type of agent, um, they obviously 
will have the ability to transmit. And the the important distinction I would like everyone to um, firmly hold this in their mind is that um, the people people seem to think that well, if it's a bioweapon, its property is there or, or its main goal is to kill. Um, this is not true. The what you're trying, the strategic aim is to, like I say, incapacitate, and the harms done at a uh, population level are one of essentially draining of resources, and the, um, and that's what I think you saw around SARS. It was a high, highly transmissible highly incapacitating but low lethality agent now did it kill people yes um generally those who are going to be uh, the more weaker members of society are going to be more susceptible but the um the strategic thinking with these agents uh, particularly bio uh well chemical agents as well um, there's the concept of binary um, interactions. So, in chemical weapons, you would you would have two inert compounds come together to form the toxic agent. And there's a um, similar principle that's uh, part of the strategic thinking with um, biological agents, which is well, you can you can have the uh, transmissible pathogen seeded into a population. One of a, a better expression. It's the easiest way to think about it in this context. But you want to be able to make sure that your ability to incapacitate um, has maximal effect. And so this is where the uh, secondary exposure comes in. And that and I would put forward the premise in this instance that the secondary exposure was uh, the use of the um, I don't, I'm not going to use the word um, vaccines but um, gene transfections that we um, that we saw being deployed and the question we have to ask is why were they so adamant about restricting access to uh, potential therapeutics and also implementing this new what essentially gene engineering technologies for as a public health measure right right okay we have, that was a short segment we'll be back in three minutes yeah this is republic radio okay oh yeah kevin do you have a stream going with comments uh yes i do yeah, feel free to add them if you if you want. And oh, yeah, I, I should announce our chat room as well. I'll do that. The, we, we have a chat room here. Lynn, I don't know if you want to type it in. It's um, immunizewisely. Oh, I'll put it in the chat. Okay. Let's see. Oh, let's see. We have one comment. What they don't want to tell you is that these strings of sequences can't produce a real virus. 
In other words, it's a computer generated and cannot work in real life. So I agree with that. I, I agree with that. I, I do endorse that. That's a conclusion I've arrived at. But uh, I'm coming from a different point of view. I spent about five years. Well, let me wait until we come back and I'll, I'll get into where I'm coming from on this. Okay. I'm looking at the chat. Got a link in there. Oh, good. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Immunize wisely. Hmm. And her, her, the context of that title is that immunize in the 1955 Oxford Dictionary was to guard against poison. And, um, and yeah, it, uh, the, the, the word, the word virus actually means poison, right? In Latin, I think. Toxin. Toxin. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Ingrid has been director of vaccine liberation for uh, 30 years. Her mom started it, guardian for children, and she's been at this a long time. And she's in the chat. And she is in the chat listening. How many people are watching on the Kevin's end? How many people are in your end, Kevin? Uh, let's see. Um, across platforms, I don't know, about 150. There's another comment. The perfect chemical weapon would mimic a disease. It would guide, disguise itself as an apparent virus infection. Say, Jenna. Yes. Could could you mention that that RBN is having a little trouble with their phone lines right now? That people yes. are unable to hear us speak to them. Lynn and Marilyn just called and she could not hear me. And I'm not okay. sure what the problem is. It's a technical problem though. And they, they, they're free to call our office line if they want to. Um, I'll type I'll type in the message what that number is. Okay. Okay, here we go. 
And welcome back, everyone. You're on Immunize Wisely, and I'm welcoming you to sign into the chat room if you want to post a comment or question to our guests. To get in, um, type Immunize Wisely with a Z, I-M-M-U-N-I-Z-E-W-I-Z-E-L-Y dot chatango.com. Sign in, and you're welcome to post some questions for our guests. Um, RBN is having technical issues, so if you cannot hear by calling in, you can call the office line number, and that's 512-246-9549. 512-246-9549. And I had read a comment by Charlie in Florida. What they don't want to tell you is that these strings of sequences can't produce a real virus. In other words, it's computer generated and cannot work in real life. So Lynn, you said you wanted to speak to that. Yeah, I think the technical term is in silico. And we've had this argument back and forth about whether something has actually been isolated or not. And that's why I refer to uh, Carrie Mullis, the interviews with Carrie Mullis, who won the Nobel Prize for developing the PCR process, which was not a test, emphatically he insisted it was not a test, didn't prove or isolate anything. All it could do was amplify uh, particles uh, that had uh, uh, amplify specific particles uh, in, in a fluid, in a solution. Now, I worked for five years on hazardous materials for CSX, the railroad. Uh, specifically on a translator that would print out placards because railroad cars carrying dangerous chemicals or even biological materials like medical waste would have to be placarded. That is, a, there would have to be a sign on that car. So if there was a derailment, the, the emergency people would know exactly how to handle it. So, for example, some chemicals... If you had a derailment and a chemical spill, the last thing in the world you would want to do would be to spray water on it. I think this is the case with lithium batteries, that if they catch fire, you don't want to spray water on it. It might actually make it worse. There are certain kinds of chemical foams you would use. So the generation of this placard that was then uh, printed out and posted on each railroad car was really critical. And... Also, at, a, at an earlier point, uh, some years earlier for that, than that, I had worked at Bell Atlantic, and during a strike in 1989, uh, I was up in uh, West Virginia, Charleston, West Virginia, doing directory assistance, and they had a chemical spill in Martinsburg. And so I got to see how they respond to a situation like that. Um, let, let me, let me uh, I'm sorry to interject, but uh, obviously time's limited as you were using uh, radio network. Um, let me ask uh, a, a question, Lynn. If something is used in industrial processes and is widely available in a marketplace, would you agree that there is a uh, reproducible product that um, is, is being sold by the vendor to interested parties? Well, that may be. Uh, on the other hand, if you've got industrial scale hog farming. Yeah, let, let, me, it, let, me, let me 
finish and, his. And the way you treat the way you treat the waste in a huge industrial hog farming operation in a place like the Carolinas or Georgia is by dumping chemicals in it. The people who would be within a range to smell the odor of that hog waste would then also be ingesting the chemicals. And okay, but th- this this talk this talk about this this talk about um, uh, chemicals placking and hazardous waste. Okay, so but you, you understand? Yeah, let, me, you, let me just finish that point. It, it's important. In the event that you had an outbreak of anything, symptoms, people showing up with symptoms, I was told. They always send two teams to the site to investigate. One team is a chemical contamination experts. The other team are infectious disease specialists. So they never jump to the conclusion about what's causing the symptoms. Uh, Even if you have a trained derailment, you don't know necessarily what might be causing the symptoms. Right, because the body's body's response, the body's response to... um, uh, initial, be it pathogens or uh, chemicals, is often the, the um, allergic or immune type responses. But let's try let's try and be a little more precise, rather than trying to use examples that are perhaps not germane to this conversation. Well, I, so, I so do do you do you? It's germane, and I'd like to. It's 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 not. So let let me let me let me try let me let me try and bring some let let me try and bring some accuracy to this this discussion. Okay. So do you do you do you think, Lynn? Do you think do you think that gene therapies that are sold, you can go to um, hospitals and um, have gene therapy treatments that are licensed by the FDA? Okay. What do you what do you think they're using for these gene therapy treatments? Well, what do you think they're using for AZT treatments? Well, that are given to that's, a, that's, a, that's a different that's a different subject. Oh, so, is it, so, is so it when when or is it a chemical treatment? So it's that's a chem- that's a pharmaceutical that's a pharmaceutical treatment. But when you go for gene therapy treatment, there's a specific process that's occurring where you're having genes inserted into the organ or tissue system that you're trying to repair. There are, last count, I think it was about 10, 10 approved gene therapy treatments where they, where they use viruses to get the gene of interest into the tissue. Now, what do you think they're actually using then if viruses are not a reproducible phenomenon in this instance? Oh, I don't know how they what they're synthesizing in the lab and what they're experimenting with. That's a whole, that's a whole other. No, it's 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 a very it's a very simple it's a very simple acid test. It's a very simple acid test of the phenomenon of are viruses are viruses real? And if you can use them, if you can use them, if you can use them in industrial processes, things like GMO crops, for instance. Uh, they use viruses to insert the genes to get the genes of interest into the products that they're selling. They also use chemicals, don't they? Um, Actually, they use chemicals to produce these alleged, alleged genetic components, don't they? No, you're you're thinking about the, you're thinking about the pesticides. You're thinking about the pesticides that they use that make ah. uh, on the on the plants that are more resistant. So that the reason that these crops are GMO crops are used is because 
because they get resistance genes inserted into their germ lines, they're then able to withstand more of the pesticides being dumped on them than the other plants that are growing around them. So you can use far higher concentrations of the pesticide. The reason you can do that is because you're expressing genes that are not native to that species. And so you use viruses to invade into the cell of the plant and insert its genes into the genome of the plant. So the fact that you have this reproducible technology that they can sell per dose, per, um, per treatment, ipso facto shows you that you have viruses as, again, a mechanism and a technology that is manipulatable. And so once a technology is manipulatable, it means you can quantify it, it means you can um, change it, it means you can do all these things that allow, it, allow us to use it as a, essentially a tool. Makes sense? Well, apparently, apparently you're very impressed with what you take to be reproducible results. Um, I'm not. Yeah. I'm not because I yeah, so Roundup heroin. Roundup Ready plants are not a are not a commercially available product. Um, Terminator take... seeds are not a, uh, re, uh, <laughs> a product that's sold globally. Uh, gene therapies to restore sight are not uh, are not products that can be <laughs> measured and um, the results quantified. I can take some heirloom seeds and I can put them in battery acid and through a selective process, I can isolate those heirloom seeds that can still sprout and reproduce even though they've been sitting in battery acid. So in that sense, a process of selection can occur and I can isolate certain strains of a plant, for example. Okay, so let, 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 me, let, me, let, me, let me ask you, that, let me ask you this question food. then. Do you think we're able to analyze the genomes of different organisms, be it human, animal, plant, bacterial? We'll skip viruses on these ones. But those classes, do you think we're able to extract out and understand the genes that make up those organisms? No, we're getting into an argument about whether genetics is real science or not. Um, we? Well, this is a pretty important point. So is genetics a real science? Well, I think you have an ideological commitment to that idea. Surely. <laughs> that's your training. That's your academic credentials. So because because I've seen these, I've seen idea, these things work. I've seen these ah. things work. And I've seen these things being used at a commercial level. So Why do people wear masks in China? Why do people? Why do people wear masks? Why do people wear masks in Japan? Um, no. That that's that's a um, well, it's a non sequitur of a, it's a non sequitur of a question, Lynn. It's a non sequitur of a question when we're talking about does the technology exist to be able to extract the genomes to organisms? Yes or no? I have no way of knowing for sure. They claim that they so, can So you have no way of knowing for sure. Okay. In fact, okay. In so fact, you want, you want to make convince. statements, you want to make statements to about the veracity. To cut off her breasts because they said they identified the BRCA gene that typically causes cancer. Yeah. BRCA Would genes. you have your wife or your girlfriend or your daughter or your mother have her breast breasts amputated because they detected the BRCA gene 
in your relative? Do you have that much confidence in that kind of identification of the genome that you would be willing to have a female member of your immediate family have in perfect health, have her breasts amputated because of the identification of a genetic sequence, the BRCA sequence. Well, That's I, a direct that, that, would, that would be on the person who's the carrier for those genes. But I'll give you a different example. Huntington's disease, okay, where we can test for the gene carriers. And if, if you're a uh, diploid carrier for the Huntington gene, okay, we know that you will develop Huntington disease and you will die in your 40s. Okay, of Huntington's disease it has a very characteristic disease progression, and we can. Um, this is one of those um, nailed-on examples that, when I try to, when I press people about these issues, um, they they want to try to, like you do, just suddenly um, try to try try to throw um, non-relevant questions and uh, straw men arguments into the discussion. So again, I will ask you, is it possible to detect the genetics of an individual such that we can use them as prima facie evidence in courts of law? We can identify genetic sequences, whether they can be precisely correlated with hereditary traits, <laughs> sure. Perhaps, but in this case, what we're talking about is a team of infectious disease specialists showing up at a chemical spill and assuring all the people suffering from the symptoms of that chemical spill that they've basically been infected by a new virus or a variant of a virus that these infectious disease specialists have managed to isolate. And that's exactly what they did with the swine flu down at these industrial hog farms. They came in there and they told people they were suffering from a swine flu and what they were suffering from was chemical contamination um, through the use of caustic chemicals to control the smell of these gigantic pools, these lakes of uh, agricultural waste, hog waste, essentially. Okay, so, so that's, that's your um, take on a particular event that's happened around hog farms i i don't I, trust them you're right you're right to be you're right to be skeptical of um particularly government mandated um science and diktats but the if you ignore the um what what is essentially um well established and reproducible technologies based around genetic um, analysis and genetic engineering. You're, any argument that you try to make with um, someone who's probably going to be less um, accommodating than myself, you, you will just get cut off at the knees. I'm prepared to have this conversation with you. Someone else is um, particularly someone who could perhaps affect policy is just going to walk straight away from you. Particularly they have never isolated a virus. According to Carrie Mullis, they have never successfully isolated a virus. And in particular, they never isolated. They never determined that what they called HIV was the cause of AIDS. That's sort of the prototype. You, 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 do, know that, you do know that Carrie Mullis is on a manuscript where they first used polymerase, polymerase chain reaction to identify HIV. 
You do know that's published work, right? He says it was misused, perverted, and twisted, and I challenge you. Yeah, but that's 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 different. That's that's different. I know I know who Carrie Mullis is. I know all the history behind him. But the simple what he was talking about is the sensitivity of that test to find. He was talking about scientific fraud, is what he was talking about, and he made a very strong case for it. So what 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 he was what he was talking about is that he was talking about. Yes, he knew. He knew exactly what he was talking about, which is that because of the sensitivity of that test and its ability to amplify very small molecules that or, or sequences, what he was talking about is that someone could come into contact with that um, sequence, the, the peptide in the, or nucleotide sequence in this instance, and um, you could essentially give a false positive with respect to saying that that person has disease X, Y, or Z. Now, the proper way to use um, PCR is part of a diagnostic screen where it's not the only metric that you would use to make a diagnosis. You would use all other um, established uh, approaches like um, uh, blood tests, etc. And when someone presents with a set of symptoms, so in this instance, particularly with um, viral um, agents, you'll present with uh, what seems like flu-like symptoms, right? Your temperature will go up. It's a very um, non-specific response as the body is um, trying to adapt to the pathogen. Now, um, PCR has to be or should be used when you have over symptoms. And it, what it does is help you narrow down the probability space of what it is that you're dealing with. That's that's the issue I'm that sorry, Carrie Mullis probability had. Space? Uh, probability space? That's like a roll of the dice, basically, right? No. Meaning, meaning that when you turn up at the clinic with a high temperature and swollen lymph glands, that you're could, sick. You're obviously sick. Yes, yeah. you're sick. So you need to try to understand. You need to try to um, hone in on what the actual cause of the person being sick is. But why, why can't you assume up front that it's always contagion? Because, That's what they do. Because, it dep- okay, it, because it's a, a complex clinical landscape. Indeed it is. Very complex. Right. And oh, so, I, and yeah. so um, techniques like PCR enable you to um, shrink down the potential right. you're possibilities. Not, you're not even willing to concede that the use of the PCR was totally twisted and perverted. No, I tell you, I tell you exactly what they were doing with the PCR, right? Was in, I would put forward the premise that they knew that they were dealing with a lab origin pathogen, i.e. biowarfare agent. And what you do in that instance, because you're trying to get um, full, a, a far higher um, bandwidth with respect to data and where it's spreading, okay, you, you essentially put the counts up. And you don't only just look for people who are coming up and get a hit with counts in the air, in a range where usually 20, 20 counts, 20 to, 20 to 30 um, counts per um, cycle. And Kevin, hmm. Kevin, please excuse me just for one moment. I need to announce the telephone number because we're having technical issues. If people are trying to call into the office to hear the broadcast, they need to call 512 512- Two four six ninety five forty nine five one two two four six ninety five forty nine.
I'm sorry about that. And we do have two questions. That's okay. If, if, if we're going to play that, uh, we only have about four minutes remaining before okay, the, the top of the hour. So maybe yeah, we should so play that clip right after the hour. After the hour. Kevin, continue. Um, so um, what, the, what they were doing, I would, I would wager now that we know that we're dealing with biowarfare medical countermeasures industries, which is a multi-billion dollar industry um, driven by um, DOD, is they're trying to track in far granular detail where and when the, uh, the pathogen is emergent. Okay, so if you get a slight hit with a high count, you can then see when that count starts to come down. That gives you a measure as well, as well as just trying to see if, oh, we just cap the PCR cycles at 25, and anyone um, not showing a positive hit at that count level, we just say that there's no SARS in that environment. So you have to look at it from coming from, uh, it, it's, it's a way of, yes, does it misdiagnose people? Yes, absolutely. But, if you're interested in the spread of a biowarfare agent, you would do this approach. You ramp up counts and see when they start coming down versus when you start getting hits within the accepted range for polymerase chain reaction. Okay, I, 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 I'm fielding questions. Um... Maybe I'll just interject right now. Um, the one from Vaccine Truth, which is angry. Can you ask your guests during a break, preferably if they know what a centrifuge machine is? Mention that Paul Offit admits that it has one of these machines in his office at Philadelphia Children's Hospital. They are used to create the viruses sent to pharmaceutical. Oh, wait, they are used to create the viruses sent to pharmaceutical companies. He gathers material to put in the centrifuge machine from the sick kids, mucus, buttonum, phlegm, even feces, urine, it's spun out at high speeds. And some of the spun out material is what is used. Um, you're asking me if I know what a centrifuge is? Yes, of course, it's standard lab equipment and you use it to um, differentiate uh, molecules of different molecular weight. And as you go through what's called a density gradient, um, heavier molecules will stim, uh, spin down to the bottom and lighter ones will stay at the top. And you tend to get um, distinct stratifications where you're dealing, uh, where you can make a, it, it, it's a first step in, in isolating and purifying out a particular um, biomolecular uh, molecule or structure that you're after. Thank you. Uh, we also have a call coming in from Utah, and we just have a couple of minutes, but we could bring in Bob in Utah for a question on point for our guests. Do we have Bob? Bob dropped off. He'll have to call back. Sorry. Okay. Um, we have another question. How can one find genomic sequences without isolating and purifying a virus first? Where do the genomic sequences come from then? Thin air, trust the science. I'm sorry, could you, could you say that again? Oh, sure. How can one find genomic sequences without isolating 
and purifying a virus first? Where, where do the genomic sequences come from then? Okay, so again, this comes down to pelleting out your um, material of interest. Sorry, we're, we're headed into the break. Stay tuned. Are you guys doing okay? Yeah, I'm fine. Okay. minutes of Catherine Watt described actually mean in regards to how you know they're willy-nilly and there's no oversight to the the countermeasures that came with the emergency response I, I didn't catch the first part of that question oh oh at, oh at well the first part of the no I, I asked if it would be all right at the top of the hour I play a four-minute clip of Catherine Watt describing and defining what a countermeasure is. Yeah, I, th I think that's a very important um, thing to do. Um, I'm very much on board with what Catherine has to say about how the legalities took place to make sure that um, the majority of the population were forced to be exposed to um, the spike peptide that we know has all these signatures of um, biowarfare research plastered all over it. It's, it's very important. In the chat, this, I don't know if she was trying to be silly, but she said, McCarn developed the first primate model of Tourette syndrome and how to efficiently efficiently use deep brain stimulation for both movement and neuropsychiatric disorders. Did he invent Tourette's? No, of course not. That was Gilles de la Tourette in uh, the late 1800s at Hôpital Salpêtrière in Paris who recognized that there was a constellation of symptoms that defined a... Uh, neuronal or neurological syndrome in this instance, um, vocal and physical tics, and um, you're listening to Republic Broadcasting Network because you can handle the truth. I, I will ask that again after okay. we play this clip. Jenna Shapoudis, and this is Immunize Wisely. Uh, Kevin McCarran and Lynn Artell are my guests, and I grabbed a clip from a recent Catherine Watt interview on Z Media. It was uncensored. Catherine Watt, are they planning Marburg in 2024? U.S. government raises alarm. 
And so if the board op would begin, that would be great. Countermeasures, because there may be people watching that didn't catch our first interview. Talk to us about that word countermeasures and what it actually means when they use it. Well, when they use it, it actually means weapons or poisons because it means completely unregulated, unmonitored chemical and biological products that are inserted into interstate commerce that don't have to have any um, valid clinical trial data supporting their safety or efficacy, don't have to have any compliance with good manufacturing practices, don't have to comply with any normal pharmaceutical labeling. They don't, they aren't subjected to any kind of um, monitoring or quality testing for purity and non-adulteration. Um, it's really a, a catch-all category of products meant to make things that are weapons appear to be medicinal products so that people will take them without questioning what they're being given. And yes, I agree with you. And I know that you've uh, focused a lot on uh, on the U.S. government um, and their, mm -hmm. you know, key responsibility in this. Um, from your view, are, th are these people the main ones that need to be held accountable? U.S. government people? Mm. Is that the question? Yes. Um, I think the top of the hierarchy is the highest level administrators in the Department of Health and Human Services. So the HHS secretary, Javier Pachera, and the handful of people uh, just under him. The defense secretary, Lloyd Austin, and the handful of people in the upper upper ranks of the military leadership and also their counterparts at the World Health Organization and the United Nations, because as far as I can tell, it is basically a joint project between the UN World Health Organization and the United States military public health complex um, that are running the whole program and that know exactly what they are doing, why they're doing it, who they're doing it for, what the goals are and then they can silo the information so that people lower down know or don't know, depending on what level they're at. Although as time goes by, and I think I said this the last time, as time goes by, more and more people who are lower down know exactly what's happening because they know how far outside the norm the procedures are that they've been participating in so far. I have to agree with you at this point, if you're not aware, then I mean, I, I, don't, I, I don't know how you could excuse everything that's going on, if you're working within one of these agencies, uh, you bring up the UN and the WHO viewers of this broadcast know I've been harping on about these organisations from the beginning. Uh, really, you know, I don't think they're the top of the top of the food chain. Uh, these are the, these, but these are the public fronts uh, and right. essentially the ones who are pulling the strings of governments. This is your shadow government. Uh, and so, um, you know, I asked you about, you know, what's going on with the with the IHR and how this all relates. Um, and and I really loved your response, which was, I don't focus too much on the details other than we need to leave them. Um, but in order to understand right. why we need to leave them, we need to understand those links. And so what how have you come to the conclusion of the involvement of the WHO and the UN in all of this? I came to that through the 
the January 2022 podcast with Todd Callender, who mentioned the World Health Organization IHR 2005 revisions as being the sort of legal source that drove very important changes in U.S. domestic law, that then when those laws have been implemented and we've been able to see them through COVID, um, it becomes clear that a coup has actually already happened. It's come in through the public health military structures. And because it is done so much with the law, with international law and with domestic law, the only way to get out of the kill box is to withdraw from the treaties that transferred power in these ways and repeal the domestic laws that also transferred powers in these ways. The domestic laws transferred power from our Congress and our president and our courts and our states into the hands of the HHS secretary and the international laws um, sort of required those, those changes in domestic law. And as far as I can tell, placed the HHS secretary sort of as an administrator for the UN who's just working in the United States, running the UN programs out of the HHS offices. Yeah, and, and it extends beyond health, um, you know. Okay, <clears throat> we'll just cut it there because we, we are starting to understand this framework and proving what it is, like the, there's logistics within law and I love that Catherine Watt is uh, using her abilities to identify how to re repeal, repeal these laws. So um, do either of you want, uh, Lynn, do you have a comment? No, okay. Uh, Kevin, do you have a comment? Uh, yes, I do. Um, I, I, I think um, people, people need to look very, very closely at what's happened over the last four years. And I would put forward the premise that this was the culmination of decades of planning um, that probably, well, it's, if you want to bring in eugenicists, it goes back even further. But in this instance, as, um, as transnational groups began to coalesce around the uh, post-Second World War environment, we, we had this um, push by individuals like Henry Kissinger, Club of Rome, to think about um, carrying capacity for the planet. And they were convinced that there was an upper limit to how many human beings were capable of being supported by food supplies, um, infrastructure, etc., And they set about putting into place a policy where, you, where they would have a raison d'etre for management of populations. Now, I... I've tried to avoid stepping into the depopulation um, space as a consequence of what happened over the last four years. But because of 
our ability to analyze molecular structures, genomes, what we're now beginning to understand about the pathogen and the gene transfection intervention, the medical countermeasures. There are molecular properties in there that have very desirable properties for people that would want to manage populations at a very specific level. And if you listen to these people talking, what they say is when it comes time to manage the population into a managed decline, meaning decline in numbers, you need a way to do that that is, um, doesn't alert essentially the people who are on the uh, are going to be removed from the gene pool and they make allusions to it being egalitarian now the way that you would do that there are very um, specific disease mechanisms and one of those on the primary bond which I'm focusing on is the ability to induce what's called transmissible spongy form encephalopathies. Now, most people would know these by uh, the mad cow outbreak in the United Kingdom, and now what is an exponentially increasing problem in the United States, which is something called chronic wasting disease. And these agents, or, or the pathological um, infective agent in these disorders, is essentially a um, misfolded what we call protease resistance, resistant, meaning it doesn't break down um, through normal enzymatic process. And they are highly resistive to um, normal methods that most people would have for removing them. So most pathogens are removed from uh, meats by cooking. You can't cook away prions if you're going to be eating it. And it's, if you look at the molecular biology of the SARS spike protein and the vaccines, they both contain what, what we, what's technically called a cross-seeding amyloidogenic um, peptide or epitope. And there are a number of what we would call amyloidogenic peptides. Um, people would... Um, no amyloid, perhaps with its association with Alzheimer's. Um, there's also a uh, protein that um, misfolds in the case of Parkinson's disease. And then there are the proteins that misfold that form the transmissible spongy form encephalopathy classes, and in this case, the prion disease. And we now, since September, have de facto evidence that this epitope, exists on, I don't want to get too technical, but we generally dif di uh, divide the spike protein into what's called the S1 and the S2 segment. The S1 segment is essentially, you can think of it as like a cover for the, um, the functional part of the spike protein that draws the virus into the cell. And it gets what we call cleaved, which just means cut. And then that gets released into the extracellular matrix of the body. 
and is free to travel where it wants. And that peptide is then capable of converting the prion protein into the disease form, the scrapey form. The fact that that, that is what's in circulation now I think probably puts us into the managed decline. And the fact that it was done through uh, a vaccination program through which most people were subject to, that's them ticking the box for it being egalitarian. This reminds me, this reminds me very much of what RFK Jr. Uh, was sort of... Uh, lambasted for claiming that there were pathogens developed that were designed to target specific genetic groups. And yep. uh, something roundly... I speak about constantly. So the first, the first original spike proteins that were identified around SARS-CoV-2, you can look at the uh, to what we would call affinity. So basically just think of it as the strength of magnetic attraction. And you can classify that by haplo haplogroups. And what they found was that it was most, it had the strongest affinity, meaning the strongest binding for um, Southern, Southern European um, polymorphisms on the ACE2 receptor. Um, the area, the groups where it bound with the least strength um, was Ashkenazi Jews. Um, this, this has been shown in the scientific literature multiple times. Um, and you have to ask yourself why they kept insisting on including the genetic transcript for the original Wuhan spike for essentially two years after the uh, the release and it had gone through adaptation slash mutation with respect to changes within the receptor binding motif that that defined its ability to latch on to the ACE2 receptor associated with different racial groups. That's very interesting. See, now, I, I mean, you coming from a scientific background, familiar with being in a lab, we do have comments in the chat where it's like, has this been isolated in a Petri dish? And that has been the argument that the Tom Collins, the Andrew Kaufman, and there's like a whole group. Bailey's, yeah. Yeah. The, Sam yeah. Bailey, yeah. Yeah. So I can, so, I can, I can um, address that concern very, very quickly and that these people don't understand the cutting edge of where the technology lies and what they try to rely on. And it's something that uh, was brought up earlier is that you have to use in silico um, algorithms to try to build back up the genomic sequencing once you're, when you're doing next generation sequencing. The technology has moved on. So now what they're able to do is essentially sequence the whole genome length. Um, it's called nanopore sequencing. And essentially what it does is break open the um, cell membrane or viral, um, viral membrane, capsid, 
and the genetic material is then essentially free. It unwinds and then it essentially is threaded through a pore and they're able to read it amino acid by amino acid. And there's no, there's no um, algorithmic reconstruction required in this instance. It's just a, a ticker tape readout, if you like. Now, the problem that people like Cowan have is that that method concords very well with previous generations' um, analysis of this genetic material. And so their, um, their objection at this moment is moot. And we can find the, we can find the genomes for SARS-CoV-2 using nanopore sequencing. Now, you haven't identified that as the cause of the syndrome at all. You've just bypassed Koch's postulates for isolating and reproducing the symptoms from a, an identified organism. So you're basically throwing Koch's postulates out the window there, aren't you? No, not at all. So it's possible to take the... So there, there are a number of methods with how you do this. So... You find your pathogen of interest. You can even make it synthetically if you wanted to. And um, you can uh, basically piece together um, recombinant pieces of genome into a larger genome and have that expressed in an expression system to give you uh, essentially pure as uh, virions. And then you put them into a test platform let's say a non-human primate and then do you see if you get the disease once you get the disease and so you again you look for outward symptoms and then um because they're lab animals you can um necropsy them meaning take out their tissue and then we can do something called immunohistochemistry where we can buy selectively bind to the proteins that we know would be expressed as a consequence of the genomic information that would have been integrated or passed into these test animals. Well, then you'll say, well, they've never done um, aerosol spread of these and um, transmission of these studies. Yes, they have. Um, there's a very interesting study that just came out of Korea where they've done it in dogs. And dogs are susceptible to SARS-CoV-2. And as an interesting aside, suddenly the Koreans have decided that um, they're no longer going to be allowing dogs into their food chain. There's a reason that they would make a, um, a decision like that with something that's so culturally ingrained, such as eating dogs. Um, sure. that Every... Every point that people like Cowan, Kaufman, the Baileys make is easily refutable once you know the medical literature. The problem is, is that people want to listen to what is an easy, um, easy way of trying to dismiss the problem. But the problem you have is exponentially worse than a transmissible viral pathogen at this point because they've essentially weaponized prions. This has been a holy grail within the biowarfare um, research space, and it would appear that they've been able to do it. And now everyone, it doesn't matter if you had the foresight 
to not take the vaccines. Prions build up in the environment. You can pick them up off the surfaces of materials. Plants take them up via their root stems and they get um, they travel to the leaves and fruiting bodies of the plants. This is this is the operational level at which we need to be working right now. And when you're dealing with weaponized psychological operations on a mass scale, don't you think they would want to inject something like viruses aren't real so you don't go looking at their biowarfare programs? Which seems the more parsimonious answer in this instance? True. Yeah. I, I mean, that occurred to me as well. And speaking of Southern European uh, gene set, didn't you say your father was an Italian prisoner of World War II? My grandfather, yeah. Your grandfather. Hmm. So, and you just happened to get sick as well. Severely. The There are a number of countries where um, there were higher than, well, again, it's um, a lot that is dependent upon infrastructure, etc. But the um, the southern Mediterranean countries um, were hit very hard as the um, pathogen began to um, appear across the planet. Italy, Greece, um, the Balkans. Um, one thing people don't know is that Russia was hit very hard. It had some of the highest um, all-cause mortality figures. You have to put that in the context of geopolitical events that we're seeing right now. You think it's, you think it's just a set of disparate events that suddenly we're seeing Europe lit up again by um, essentially industrial warfare, trench warfare, and it involves um, Russian people. We have paperwork which shows that um, the, in this instance, the US Air Force was specifically putting out grant tenders um, in, I want to say it was 2016, where they were specifically asking for Slavic, Slavic samples of synovial fluid that had to be Russian, not Ukrainian. Why would you do that? Well, in this instance, when you're trying to run these programs, there will be people who will know that we'll be working on biowarfare programs, but you can convince them uh, in this instance that, well, you're still working on an incapacitation agent. So you, um, so things like uh, inflammation within joints, oh, that's a fair target. You're not killing that person. You're just making it so they can't carry their weapon and their pack so that they can maintain um, combat operations in the field. But it's, it's worse than this because under that incapacitation label, we now have these long-term transmissible spongiform encephalopathies coming into the mix. These have a long lag time we already have data which showed that there was a very large spike relatively in um, diagnosis of CJD after gene transfection was rolled out. This came from my colleague Luc Montagnier and Jean-Claude Perez. They showed a 250% increase 
in diagnoses of CJD, the onset of death after vaccine or gene transfection exposure to the, the fulminating Creutzfeldt-Jakob state was 11 days. Now, again, it, the numbers are relatively small in this instance, but in most cases, what you're dealing with is the, um, I, I think, the mass seeding, egalitarian seeding of these prion. You can almost think of these as, they, these are toxins in this instance. And the lead time essentially is decades. And we have this phenomenon now, which is only being understood in the public domain relatively recently of cross-seeding amyloidogenesis, which means that not everyone is going to present with Creutzfeldt-Jakob disease. There are a whole bunch of disorders above and below the neck that are associated with um, protein misfolding. This includes cancer. It includes diabetes, as well as the neurodegenerative disorders like Alzheimer's and um, prion, um, sorry, Parkinson's, um, ALS, etc. This is, this is the actual scope of what it is that you're dealing with. And if you were dealing with something so diabolical, again, wouldn't you want to amplify voices like Cowan, the Baileys, Kaufman, all these people that got um, ramped up in, alter in alternative media in populations that um, anyone who would be involved in war gaming and planning know that there's going to be people trying to get to the bottom of what it is that you're dealing with. And so if you can convince those people that there's nothing going on, great. You've taken out a large proportion of the uh, problematic population as you try to press forward with your agenda. And the simple fact is this, the, the job is done. They managed to put out, I want to say over 13 billion vaccine shots and essentially exposed over 4 billion people to these um, prion catalyzing epitopes. And now your environment is filling up with these peptides. I encourage everyone, go look at the wastewater detection for SARS. Well, what you're seeing is that it's the highest it's ever been. But the, the illness that we would associate with SARS initially is not really showing up in the, uh, the all-cause mortality data. Again, it's neuro... I don't know, someone's got a mic open or uh, I can hear like a power, power tool going off. But the... Um, in this, um, what, what, where are we seeing the all-cause excess mortality? Dementias, blood cancers, and cardiovascular events, which is precisely what you would expect to see after exposure to these amyloidogenic peptides. Okay, we have um, a question for Kevin. How does <clears throat> how do the one 
widespread identification of SARS-CoV-2 alpha strain via sequencing worldwide and to the most unlikely development of, of okay, wait, I hear the music at the um, after the break, I'll read the question and we'll take calls. Okay. Yep. We've, <laughs> we also um, got a request uh, from Brian really would love for you to give a brief uh, communitarian thumbnail description, similar to when Jesse Hall asked him recently on air and he was exposed to it by Brendan O'Connell. If, if you would comment on the end result as being the remedy to this pandemic. Well, um, in its purest sense, communitarianism is the um, the elevation of uh, policy decisions maintained or, or done for the uh, the collective good at the expense of uh, individual rights and sovereignty. Um, it's not really a uh, economic uh, philosophy like capitalism or um, communism and if I was to um, try to define it in one sentence it would be as kibbutzism which is um, essentially uh, utopia driven community living where um, the the rules that or, or the frameworks the social contracts that we work with have been radically radically changed in favor of um again um policy for the common good that that's the way to think of this and if they're if they're moving to a managed decline in population and those smaller populations have to be ruled and the industrial landscape has changed due to mass automation um you the people who have always had power will want to maintain their power and they will enforce it through implementation of communitarianism so this managed decline do you have um an idea of how far this um well how soon this decline and how much of the population is there a timeline that you have in mind so the emergence of prion symptomology generally in the medical literature is understood to be in the order of a couple of decades and I don't know in this particular instance what exposure to this synthetic prion catalyzing agent will do because of the nature in which it was delivered into the body via um, what we what's described as a um, tissue agnostic, meaning it doesn't care which tissue it comes into contact with. It will fuse and deliver its genetic payload and um, uh, high, high labile, um, properties, meaning that it goes everywhere within the body. And um, the simple fact is, you're not going to have the research done 
um, where you can bring the resources to bear to answer these questions. No one will want to do it because th then you can uh, start tracing back and holding people responsible. And what you've seen from Catherine Watt's work is that as they use medical countermeasures, they basically took away your rights and protections. You're listening to Immunize Wisely with my two guests, Kevin McCain, McCarran and Lynn Ertel. Our chat room is Immunize Wisely with two Z's.chatango.com. And we do have um, a couple of callers that have been waiting patiently to come on. I also want to read out because the technical issues for call-ins if you want to hear through your phone, dial 512-246-9549. Hey, Jenna. Yes. I've, I've found a temporary solution where they can use the regular call-in number now. Okay, great. So Thanks. our call-in number, if you want to ask a question or have a comment for our guest on topic, you can call 512-248-8252. 8252 and we have Bob in Utah on line five. Do you have a question for um, Kevin or Lynn? Yes, I have a short statement and a question for McCairn. Go ahead. Okay. Okay. First of all, you start discussing genomics. Uh, this is not a fair fight. If you want to see a fair fight with Kevin, you, you go to BitChute and you watch him debate Mark Bailey, okay, and you can decide for yourself. And I'll leave it at that. Now, my question is that let's throw out all the molecular biology. Let's talk about Dennis Rancourt's new essay. Well, it's not that new, but it's getting all over the news now where he shows with all-cause mortality and untamperable data, all-cause mortality, when you died, where you died, how old you were, no, no cause of death, just where you died. He showed that the virus uh, stopped at borders, particularly the Canadian border. How does Kevin explain a virus that knows how to obey the road signs? Uh, a couple of tropes there. So, yeah, I encourage everyone to go and watch the debate with Mark Bailey. Um, there was someone that, again, couldn't handle the cutting edge of science. He didn't know what nanopore sequencing was and basically tried to um, fall back on the same tropes. That... Answer the question. And I'll answer your question about Dennis Rancor. Um, Dennis Rancor has raised important issues about vaccines, but he's wrong about um, viral pathogens. Um, the... We can look at the all-cause mortality and we can look globally and we can see that there are multiple countries that have massive spikes in all-cause mortality, particularly across South America, Russia, Iran. And he doesn't, he doesn't try to address those. What he does is he actually uses a large 12-month smoothing window that basically retro-causally grabs those deaths and applies them to 
um, what he's describing as vaccine deaths. His mathematics is atrocious. He runs away from debate with me, and he's an intellectual coward. Off-cause mortality only occurred prior to the vaccine in hospital protocol changes. It stopped abruptly at jurisdictions where there were no hospital protocol changes. I'm not interested in the vaccine at all. I know all about that, but I don't want to discuss that. I want to know how the, the deaths occurred only in one place in Italy and nowhere else around it. Why didn't it spread out concentrically? So, again, you have to remember that the um, as the they played out, the... Oh, you're not talking so fast now. Yeah, I'll, I'll answer your question, okay? So, as well as Italy, okay, it emerged in Iran, Russia, Greece. It then moved to Sweden, and the... Um, the initial spikes in all-cause mortality, um, if and you can go back and look in the record now, was that um, because of the measures they put in place, fomite spread diseases like influenza were cut dramatically. But SARS-CoV-2 is a highly resistant um, aerosolized pathogen that is incredibly resistant, far more than other coronaviruses. It's a hundred times... How did the vice, uh, a virus emerge in separate spots all over the world? Well, uh, there's no explanation for that other than it was declared a pandemic on that day by the World Health Organization. We live in a world of air travel, sir. We live in a world oh. of, of mass, yeah. mass public movement. Okay, and you're also dealing okay, with so once once you start looking once you start looking at this as a biowarfare event, you start to realize that well, um, you're very likely seeing seeding events take place as well. They attacked you. They attacked oh, you. Oh, so now they dropped it from from a plane or from a helicopter. Bob, I'm sorry, we do have other calls stacking up, so we're yeah, gonna. Yeah, I made my. Thank yeah, fuck off, you cunt. <laughs> oh, wait, this is family friendly, Kevin. I understand your sentiment. We're going to move on to James in Vancouver, line three. Uh, Do we um, have. Yeah. Hello, Hello yes, James. Do you have a question? Uh, yes, uh, your guest, Kevin. I'm wondering. Uh, are you familiar with the term intercalation? Were you? No? I intercalation? Intercalation of what? We have low molecular weights uh, slipping into the DNA and then causing uh, changes in the uh, genetic information, which then um, have effects. Uh, that um, manifest themselves. Well, well so, okay, I'll, um, so I'll give you an example of what we could. So, so we had things like called intercalating dyes. This is how we look for things like prions, in fact, and they will right, right. Uh, and they will sit um, at certain points and cover a uh, number of bases or amino acids. And um, in this right. instance, in terms of detection, we can um, look for things like fluorescence. So what you're looking for then is an enzyme that'll cut the prions. Then, 
Conceivably, um, the DNA could create that. Uh, yes, but prions so, are what's called protease resistant. They, oh, they are. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. They do not break okay, down with you. the enzymatic yeah. action. Ah. Okay. Thank you. Bye. Okay, now we have um, Alan in Texas on 11. Yes, um, I, I just wanted to call in and, and say um, thank you for this presentation. Um, it's just more information for me. I have a scientific background. Um, I, I was wanting to go into research. You know, I, I, my, my background is developmental biology, embryology, whatever you want to call it. Um, uh, what you're talking about might be over a lot of people's heads. Um, I understand it to a point. Um, I did research for my professors, and I found out that the research, you know, field is not trustworthy because I did I helped my, my my professors do research, and research that I obtained using electron microscopes, you know, centrifuges, you know, whatever, you know, um, you know, uh, various equipment. You know, this is twenty, this is thirty years ago minimum. You know, maybe thirty to forty years ago. And, and I was told by two of my professors, I saw research, I saw my, the results that I obtained change in the research grants to, because, and I had two separate professors tell me, it's like, well, sometimes we have to massage our data, you know, so the money keeps, keeps rolling in, which, which is why I, I, I did not go any deeper into, into science, which I would have loved to do, but, I, but I'm a truthful, honest person, and I wanted to do honest research. Um, everything you've been talking about, I don't understand perfectly 100%, but I understand it at, at a core level, let's say that. You know, I was never pulled into the research field, you know, in, into the scientific field, you know, where, where, where everything depends on money and grants and everything else coming in. You know, and if you don't make your grant funders happy, you know, you don't exist anymore. You know, you, you lose those grants if, if you tell the truth. Um, I, I just wanted to call in. I'm not going to be controversial. I'm, I'm not going to jump on you about anything. Because you're just another source of information, but I've listened to you talk, and, and everything you said, you know, do I agree with 100%? I can't say that because I'm not that deep into it. But I understand at a core level everything you're talking about. And, and you know what, guys, what, what scares the hell out of me is that we've been lied to on a grand scale, you know. Yes, uh, you whether, have. Whether yes, you have. Thing, whether it's a COVID vaccine or whatever it might be, the spread of it, you know, within, within like a week, you know, COVID was all across the planet. And I, I, I got channels out of, out of Africa and in South America and everything, everything shut down, you know, within a week. And it's like, you know, I, they, they were telling us, you know, it's like, oh, it's deadly. You know, when I drove into town and I expected to see bodies laying in the middle of the street, I'd have to dodge. Yeah, but this, you know, this is the point I tried to make earlier. You need to, under, you need to understand that um, the ideal biological weapon is not meant to be immediately deadly. <laughs> Otherwise, it's not going to do its job. You want high transmissibility, high incapacitation, low lethality. Which basically fits the description or, of what SARS was. How about this? How about, how about this? The psychological effect that it has on people. Yes. Yes. How many children that, that 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 were that were made to wear masks? How many children are damaged for life because they were made to wear a mask and they were scared? The crap was scared out of them. How much psychological damage has has, has been done to this whole world with this COVID crap? Um, and, and enormous. Again, they attacked you. This what every everything, and this is something. This is a space I've had to step into reluctantly. I didn't want to be talking about this. I had to step out of what would have been my scientific career by trying to 
um, warn people about what it is that you're dealing with. They've learned how to weaponize prions, okay? And they know how to do this through prion-catalyzing epitopes. You've just had a mass exposure. Now, let me ask you a question. Would you eat a deer that you know had chronic wasting disease? Well, hell no. You know, I, I don't shoot a deer that's stumbling around out in the pasture out here. Yes, I am a hunter. I've actually, I've actually got a baby deer that comes into my house. That, that's part of my family right now, you know. I, I've raised her and, um, you know, no, you know, but 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 but, but the cycle, I, I, I know prions exist and all this stuff exists, but, but fear, fear is the main weapon that they're using against us, folks. And, and with, with that, I'll, I'll let some other callers come on and let you get on with the show. Thank you very much. Thanks, Alan. And we have Tom in Utah. Hi, Tom. I understand, Kevin. Did I understand, Kevin, that you said you had COVID? Yes. How did you? How do you get in? How did you get infected? Um, I was in Korea in Daegu, like I said, at a super spreader event, and how, I... did, how did you get infected? So how did you literally? I, I would have to presume aerosol transmission, as has been demonstrated innumerable times um, with SARS, that it's an aerosol uh, aerosolizable agent. It's one of it's one of the very few viruses that is capable of aerosol transmission. Uh huh. Do you understand the, the difference? Do you understand the difference between aerosol transmission and um, droplet transmission? That's right, I do. Anyway, what's the, the difference? Lady that's on you with, the lady that's on with you, I'd like her to contact me. Would the, that be the other Lynn, lady? Lynn or Tell? Yeah. Have, have, have her talk to uh, Ingrid Newcastle and, and, and she can get my phone number. I'd like to talk to her. Pa pass me a, could, could you pass me a link? Uh, a link on that, maybe an email <laughs> or something. No, I don't. I, I was a, a persona non grata in Washington, D.C., so I've lost everything, including Internet. The only connection I have with the world is through my phone, and I do have friends that are working my web pages for me. But if you go on to a web page called, uh, let's see, gassingamerica.com, right now it has some problems. We're not friendly to people in D.C., because I exposed the poisoning of 34 million. But anyway, Ingrid, Ingrid has my phone number. Gassing I, America? Gassing America, a.k.a. poisoning the poor. Got it. Yeah, I, I'm happy to um, make that connection happen. Yeah, thanks a lot for that. Okay, we made it through the the callers, and now I do have a question. A couple more callers. Oh, we do. Okay, are are you guys up for more calls? Sure. Okay, thank you. Charlie in Florida is next. Okay. Charlie. Yeah. Hey, how you doing? Well, listen, I just wanted to explain uh, how uh, Omnicrom got started. For those who don't know. It was a, a black man in Africa who claimed he had COVID, and the, when he went to be tested, the tech tested him and found he came back negative. She tested him over again, found out he came back negative. 
And so she sent it to London, and they looked at it, and they thought about it, and they tried to figure out how somebody who was negative, who claimed to be negative, who claimed they were positive, could have COVID. And they couldn't figure it out. So they ran it through the computer. The computer couldn't figure it out. And so finally they asked the computer to generate a model or a disease from uh, which you could get you could get COVID but not have COVID symptoms. The computer ran for over a month and finally spit out this long, over 20,000 sequence chain of nonsense. And none of it makes any sense. There is no... There are no, there are no computer. It's all computerized virus bullcrap. There is no such thing. There's no COVID. There's no Omicron. It's all. And you listen, if you say you've looked at these sequences, are you trying to tell me you've looked at twenty, uh, twenty thousand or more long sequence of stuff? No. It's all being read by computer, and the computer is all garbage. There's no such thing. Uh, what, are you, what are you? What are you using now to talk to me? What? What are you using now to talk to me? I'm using the telephone, stupid. It's a computer-based system. What do you think I'm using? <laughs> what, what, what do you think I'm using? And how are you able to talk to me? It's computers. That's garbage. You, you, you want? You want to? How do? How? How do? How do fly-by-wire planes stay in the air? How do how do modern ignition systems work on a car? The idea the idea that computers are essentially garbage at anything that they do is arrant nonsense. It doesn't make any sense. You're comparing apples and oranges. It doesn't have it make. No, I'm not. It's just data. It's data and the ability to handle data. For a telephone, and it goes through the it transmits through the air. Now let me tell you. Yes, I do see the Okay, 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 dude. Okay, dude. Um, okay. You, you, yeah. you keep thinking. You keep thinking that. It does bridge another question. What about the coincidences that the pathogens showed up where 5G was being deployed? Okay, so um, Iran, Iran doesn't have 5G networks. Okay. 5G is what was making the people sick. Iran doesn't have 5G networks. Iran had one of the highest, highest. Okay, you're testing something that have COVID. It's nonsense. Okay, you 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 keep thinking computers are nonsense and can't do anything, and uh, all this technology that you take for granted is um, uh, not a uh, reproducible phenomenon. I can't help you. Okay, it's not reproducible. Okay, it's a four four different thing to claim that a pathogen has emerged in nature, or as you claim, they somehow magically synthesize it in a laboratory. It's not magic. The these are, these end, are very precise sciences. To create a, a computer on a computer model in silico, <laughs> that's not that's not solid science. There. No, you you they, you, you have you have a pipeline. Sequence, you have a pipeline of research. You have a pipeline computer. of research. Okay, where you do you do a lot of stuff in silico to try to narrow down the uh, space within which you have to work, and then you can and go about syst- systematically systematically testing different epitopes. Okay, and are you saying are you saying to me prions aren't real? Well, uh, we don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, I would, stu- you I eat, Stan- would you I eat? Would you eat a deer with chronic wasting paper. disease? I read Stanley. 
did you ask me a question? You want an answer or what? Well, See, our, 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 our preons real or not? It's a yes or no answer. You didn't give a yes or no answer, so I'm going to ask you. As far what they claim, the preons are nothing but what protein chains, a, a genetic sequence. It's a conformational change to a peptide that makes it protease resistant. It's essentially bioaccumulative within the soils. And there's a reason why your deer population now has an exponential rise in chronic wasting disease. It's correlated, but that doesn't mean that it's causation. So <laughs> okay. for you to say the prions are the cause. Well, we know we cause. know that they're and a cause because we can we can do we the experiments. We can do the experiments that show this. We can we can make we yeah. can make. And that hasn't been demonstrated. At yes, all. It has. yes, it has. Yes, it has. Innumerable times. Innumerable times from in vitro preparations to in vivo preparations. They can now, I was just doing this study the other week, OK, where they can put these prions into essentially the ground, have them be taken up by a plant. You can detect the prions in the plant, and then you can give prion disease to the animals that you feed the plants to. And prions I, have... I'd have to see that. I'd have to see that study myself. But it sounds to me like you're selling a biological... It sounds, it sounds to me like you just have a problem with simple logic and understanding scientific no, process. No, you're selling a biological weapon narrative, and it's fear-mongering. It's, it's not, it's not fear-mongering at all. Okay, you, no. you, you, want, you, you want to understand what these apex predators are doing? You don't think that these psychopaths would use these tools against you? And like I say, you can go around with your uh, head in the ground like an ostrich, but I can absolutely guarantee you that they're going to come behind and fuck you hard in the ass. The hospitals were empty here. Hold on. Yeah, they no. generated panic. And, it, they and remember, we have to remember that these things aren't as immediate as a chemical warfare program. Now, Kevin did an eight hour with Clint Richardson, who was a longtime RBN host. And I, and he's suffering at this point. If anyone recalls and remembering Clint Richardson talking about prions way back and Patrick Jordan, they have been at this for quite a long time. I think Patrick Jordan even wrote some books on the subject. Kevin, I know it's been hard on you, but would you be open to further discussion here on RBN on this subject? Um, I'm happy. <laughs> I'm happy to try and um, discuss and read through to the people that want to try to understand this phenomenon. And again, um, Clint is a very, very good example. There was someone who um, avidly avoided these shots, but got taken out and is now suffering. Right? He's got this long-term incapacitation. Long hauler right. syndrome is an amyloidogenic process and disease. Yep. 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 I, yeah. And I am very appreciative of your time. And two I, two minutes. Got two okay. We only have two minutes. Let's get Dave in New York real quick. Dave, what you got? Uh, yes. Yes, Kevin. Also, they did uh, cryo-electron microscopy to elucidate the full structure of SARS-CoV-2. They didn't use electron, uh, the electron microscope. I mean, they didn't use X-ray crystallography, okay, because they didn't isolate it in that way, make crystals. But uh, furthermore, it, you've got these sequences showing up all around the world, all these scientists showing SARS-CoV-2, and then all the variants creating a phylogenic tree. There's a lot of data there, and they, they came 
it, you know, geographically in a very logical way, except for Omicron might have popped out of the wall, like Chris Martins had said. But um, this is very strong evidence to me that uh, that the stuff is real. We don't have ten thousands, tens of thousands of scientists just faking this out out in the public. Uh, if AI was in control of everything and we saw everything on the Internet and robots were doing this, that would be different. Uh, what's your opinion on this? Does this SARS-CoV-2 really exist based on all your lab work and experience that you've done? Um, I'm, I, all science is is um, converging lines of evidence that allow you to favor one hypothesis over another. I agree with you that right. the sequencing is out there. We have 16 million full-length sequences derived from multiple geographical locations. Now, is there a possibility? It's an evolutionary tree. I mean, this is a big deal. Yes. Kevin, I recommended that you come on and explain to people about viruses and that they actually exist. So I appreciate that Ingrid brought you on. Um, I, there's no Hold more time. Here. Go ahead. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks. And we also have Catherine in Maine. Like two minutes. Kevin, I just wanted to say thank you for keeping the peace and not being an a-hole. You've had some really rough, brutal, uh, I feel like rude callers in, and I'm ashamed. And I want to just apologize for that, and I don't care if they like it or not. It was disgusting to hear the attitude you were spoken to in, even if they had a good point or were correct. The disrespect that you were shown is abominable. And I feel like, honestly, I feel like they should have been cut off. A, is it one that called you stupid? Seriously, this is ridiculous. It's shameful. And I think the hostess should reconsider cutting that off. This anger went off the charts tonight. You're very intelligent. And again, I don't know who's who in the zoo and everything, but I, I, I called someone and let them listen in. And they're very bright, and they found it to be quite riveting. And I was ashamed of the anger. We had to hang up because of these angry callers. Yeah, well, I you probably didn't apologize. hear some of my non-family-friendly uh, responses then towards the end. So for that, <laughs> I, I apologize. But um, I've, I've listened to this garbage for four years. And um, the uh, you, you have to understand, you, you either, you either realize that these, that these apex predator, dark triad, psychopathic types... Okay, want to want to reduce populations at this point, and they've done it in the most egalitarian way possible. The American opinion finding independent voices that counter this avalanche is becoming increasingly difficult. With the endless corruption running rampant throughout our government, independent voices are needed more than ever to battle the offensive against freedoms and liberties. As a listener of RBN, no one understands this concept better than you. Now it's up to you to do your part. The time has come for you to take action and begin broadcasting the truth to hundreds or thousands of people every month. Sound impossible? Quite the contrary. With pointed slogans. Yeah, I think um, that might have been it. But uh, they done got pre-on-brained already. Yes, um, I'm... Uh, I'm very much thinking this and you know i'm i you know what that there's that i want to be wrong more than anybody else right now and um the but, but the simple fact is we have to work with the science at hand the molecular biology the uh the the known the known pathology and you know when <laughs> these these people are um they, they're convinced that uh, prions aren't real. Um, it's all just uh, chemical gassing, etc. These are uh, 
I, I don't think there's, well, the, the reason that they're thinking this way is because they don't want to, they can't handle what it means because essentially, um, in most instances, people are going to feel powerless. And the, but you're not powerless. Okay, I think I think there are ways to slow it down. I think there are ways to um, adapt and overcome, and you know that obviously comes through um, having children, um, raising those children. Um, well, the genomics isn't uh, the issue uh, with raising the children correctly, and um, the uh, the simple fact is that the. All, all indicators point to point to them weaponizing prions, and the prion literature is clear. And you, you want, like I say, I was I was saying this last night on this discussion with the Japanese doctors. Um, you want an idea of what um, mass spreading of prions looks like? Look at the deer. And that that problem is not going away. Now, um, potentially there are ways to manage the deer issue, and this you know it, it was I can't remember which Scandinavian country it was where they basically did the stamp out uh, policy, which was just cull everything and cull anything that came into the area where they had identified the uh, the emergence of chronic wasting disease. Um, this, this will be, uh, this will be how you handle the deer issue in the United States. And even then there's no guarantee now just because of the numbers involved. And with respect to human populations, um, we looked at the data the other day, um, essentially an exponential rise in drugs used to treat prion disorders. But those drugs aren't to cure those disorders. What those drugs will be are the ways to suppress the symptoms that emerge from rampant encephalopathy and neural inflammation in the brain, antipsychotics, essentially. and um, Well, the ability to suppress the um, some of the more over motor disorders. Um, they cannot cull deer in U.S. without widespread panic and anarchy. Yeah, I can imagine that there. But at at some point, the dam has to break, and the um, there will be a mass mass wake up call and you know they're they're slowly introducing into you know you're allowed to talk about lab origins now right so okay they'll 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 concede the ground that the uh the you're dealing with a synthetic agent and then it'll come out as the uh the numbers begin to increase around and again it's not just the neurodegenerative aspect right it's the paper we read this week and i want to actually make a 
corrigendum. I, I thought that that paper had come out that week. Um, it had actually been published in, or it had been put up on bio-archive in May of that year. So um, I was, uh, I should have checked that. But um, I was so excited by, <laughs> excited, the, um, the implications of what that research shows is that the, and, you know, we were talking about this yesterday with um, Kevin, um, the contamination, I guess, with um, plasmid DNA, SV40, um, its nuclear localization signal, its association with cancers, etc. Um, we now have another mechanism beyond the uh, genomic uh, instability or mutation, if you like, leading to cancers, which is at this translation level um, where the uh, mRNA um, is mistranslated. It forms prion-like uh, peptides, and then those peptides, once extant, in the words of that paper, are capable of catalyzing these uh, prion cascades at vanishingly small amounts. And I remember like the um, copy number was um, a couple of uh, hundred to a few thousand, um, which is uh, nothing in this, uh, in the scheme of things uh, in, um, in the biology. And um, anyone, the, the simple fact is if people are not speaking about this issue right now, means that they're they're not doing you uh, they're useless at, at this point right we've we've got all the data pointing in this direction and the um the <laughs> we've got out of i i don't even know if it's out of control by warfare programs it's it's the fact that these programs were um, the, there to be used by people who, who think that they um, essentially can be insulated and profit from the uh, change in systems and uh, population um, management. Hang on one second. Um, uh, let's see. Your new information pushed a reaction, but Clint was a long-time host. Great work. You demand. The whole issue with prion science seems a discretion from the essential cyborg hoax. That Lynn is just um, a dipstick. And of course you would have a psychological operation because you don't want people to understand what it is that you've done. Because whilst people are still able to move and they're not dribbling jelly brains, um, <laughs> there's a there's a uh, a threat to those people. And I, I would I would take the view right now that um, even even if the the worst case scenario doesn't involve the fact that it was attempted, right? Just <laughs> someone if if someone tries to kill you, right? 
but they uh, they miss. They shoot a gun at you, and it flies by your head and <laughs> sticks in the wall behind you, right? You, you don't just say, oh, okay, you missed. Uh, fair go. We can just uh, go back to how things were as normal. No, these people tried to do you harm. They tried to take your life. And um, this, is, this is how we should view these um, these power control systems right now. And they've said it already. Jacinda Ardern, if you refuse to swallow their controlled narratives, you are an enemy combatant right now. Well, okay, that's, uh, that's how you want to treat it. Um, I would have kind of hoped that there would have been um, room for, uh, you know, uh, higher-minded uh, humans to try to figure out problems, uh, uh, solutions to these problems. But no, that's not. They're, they're taking up a hostile, and have taken up hostile uh, position against you. And how you respond to that is um, entirely up to you. But my the the first thing is try not to get pulled into their um, the, their kill boxes, as it were. And um, then when the the process or the processes that they've initiated have sort of run their course, you come out and you go after the people that did it. We've got a pretty good idea who that is. And so that's why you should be archiving everything. You should be storing everything. And the uh, Rixie wants to chat. Um, I didn't see uh, Charles. Hang on one second. Um, he is? Where was... Uh, How's it going? Oh, well, I was, I was hoping you would call on Zoom so I could answer on the computer. But um... uh, yeah, I'll, I'll do that. I just wasn't. I just saw Charles wanted. I, I thought you'd have sent a message in Skype. Is all. I just wanted to check that you wanted to talk. I'll send you a Zoom call. Yeah. Um, yeah, I did want to. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, no, I'll just send you the link. Give me a second. <laughs> Uh, man, the level of retardation among uh, much of the... And I, I don't want to be hard on people who don't want to understand the information at hand. Um, it is... Uh, um, it's, it's a tough, tough thing to wrap your mind around. People are getting scared. Yeah. Yeah. And this is why this is why I'm not um I don't wanna be how should we say um attacking people's articles of faith at the moment. 
um, you're going to need those. And it doesn't matter what it is. Um, if you want to, if you want to believe in uh, the Christian worldview, knock yourself out. You want to, you want to find comfort in Judaism. More power to you. You want to, um, if you feel that Muhammad is the one true path to God, um, knock yourself out. Um, you want to um, become uh, a Shinto monk, um, go for it. You're gonna you're gonna need all these tools to try to address this problem right now, and the and then and then of course there's the um, the the countermeasure steps you can take at, at a sort of physiological level, and you know this is you know yes look for things like methylene blue. Um, you know, the more I've been reading about methylene blue, I probably think that it's, um, it, it, you might want to be thinking it as a tonic now and again, not a, um, uh, not a daily therapy. Um, or, or when you're in um, acute states, you need to find something that's uh, tolerable and um, you you can do on a uh, on a day-to-day -day basis uh, i did send uh, <laughs> sorry uh, <laughs> i sent the wrong the wrong link to uh, charles uh, my fault uh, there we go <laughs> i sent him a uh, pre on paper instead <laughs> Daily exercise is good too. Yeah, it is, man. I mean, I really, I want to be able to exercise. Just my back is just, I can't do anything right now. Can't, well, I've, I've taken to, I've got my inversion table out and I'm hanging upside down a lot just to try and see if I can um, decrease the um, pressure on the, the spine myself. But I can't even do walking and stuff at the moment which is frustrating hey there we go dude how are you <laughs> oh, sorry man. man i sent you the wrong link i sent you a pre on paper not uh yeah i saw i saw the papers like, oh okay this is gonna help me oh, man. hang on we better check the sound levels right now um i know i, I know turn your gain up on your mic uh, on the board right all right yeah that's better <coughs> Yeah. Well, good. You got good to hear my cough really loud then. Yeah. Well, you're um, looking better, dude. Um, I have. To... Uh, well, yeah. I'm. I'm still. I, I'm still laying on my ass most of the day, but. Um, <laughs> yeah, same. Uh, I'm on the mend. Well. <laughs> I'm. I'm slowly getting there. Um, mm. At least, the diverticulitis is starting to get better. <laughs> okay. And, uh, so I'm able to eat more. What, uh, what What's with the dry cough? Food. Is that new or <clears throat> well i also just i just ate a bunch of rice and now my throat is it's all sticky but mm. i did want to say that uh wow that was great so you just had the other day you had a great stream where you <clears throat> gee where you broke down everything really well and then um this one was excellent once again and what's interesting is that 
uh, <clears throat> I didn't realize it first when you when the stream started, but uh, those are the same people that were uh, trying to put some together with with me and Catherine Watt. Yes, but I, I hadn't told you this. I hadn't talked to you in, in like two days, but um, but Catherine sent me a message. She cc'd me on a response to them, where they had apparently watched like the last stream that you and I did. And I mentioned Catherine Watt and they sent her a message saying, Oh, well he thinks that you're like a no virus person and they're trying to do whatever. And she CC'd me and responded to them and said, um, I don't want to play these stupid indirect attack games. Um, and she, and, and she was like, yeah, I don't want to talk with you guys anymore on stream. So, so we were supposed to do a stream today and, uh, her and I both declined after they tried to pull some shit and start some drama. Um, so I, I don't know so what, you, what to tell you, dude. Um, well, well, apparently, so apparently you were the fill in because we were supposed to be doing it today. Yeah, they did. They did tell me that. <laughs> and yeah, well, they, the, the reason I didn't do it is because I was so disgusted that they were trying to play the stupid, um, so discord game mm. and uh Catherine felt the same way um, so yeah I don't, I don't know what's happened in the the background there so i can't see no that. no that's that's why it was fun um and they brought you on and you totally blew them away it was amazing so <laughs> um you, whoever that whoever that other lady was yeah uh, you kind of uh, <laughs> Kind of bent her over and, and spanked her pretty good. So yeah, yeah. Um, I, I wasn't going to sit there and just let her filibuster about um, essentially just nonsense because that's that that's how it's just coming across to me um, now. When look, the data is out there, and um, people people should be on on top of this stuff. I mean, I don't mind walking someone through if they genuinely want to understand. But when right. when they've taken sort of ideological positions like the way that they have, like that dipshit about um, when he's trying to say that there was, well, he's just parroting Rancor's arguments that um, a virus was yep. um, sticking to postcodes and what have you and not not understanding that oh there's a there's a ramp up right and a, a ramp up in a time where we've got planes cars um <laughs> all manner of ways to disseminate um beyond i could i, could, I couldn't believe how stupid i mean of course i was it last night yeah it was last night whenever we, we were just in a space with um with rancor turd mm, mm. and and he came on at the very end he came in at the very end and everybody was slobbing his knob and i was like uh that's a negatron we don't uh and, I, and so i mean you were there so you heard me like trying to like point out and he kept trying just trying to weasel mm. with stupid bullshit excuses because he didn't want to play the game mm. so i'm glad it, it was great it's good to know that like i'm not even needed anymore because uh, you've already learned anything that I could have taught you and you've taken it to the next level. So, but it's uh, fun no, to there's, watch. There's, there's plenty and uh, <laughs> you need someone to watch your back. 
and so if I can do that for you and you do it in return, um, well, I, I think we can hold, uh, I mean, fix up for a pretty good gunfight, Rixie, and uh, get, get in there and... Uh, well, we're definitely winning um, because despite the best efforts of all these people, mm. I, I did think it was great when, when she was like, oh, well, you're just, you're just parroting what uh, RFK was. I was like, actually, no, no. Uh, that's where he's getting his, his expert information. And, uh, right. <laughs> and so once again, I love that because that's just a, just a slap in the face of JC. Um, yes. But anyway, yeah. Is, is he still alive? I mean, I don't know. I, I haven't. I literally haven't. I, I've seen him tweeting recently, and it, tweeting his despair and despondency that that he's not winning in the bio warfare mm. narrative space. Kind and, of looking uh, at him, dude. Uh, I'm, I'm, I've got a suspicion that there may be some uh, chronic wasting <laughs> disease going on. Last time I looked at him. <laughs> You know. Yeah, well, you know, um, that would be uh, that would be a better excuse than than whatever <laughs> else is going on. But anyway, I thought you once again. This is the second time, like, I guess not in a row, but second time this week that you literally just laid out everything and blown everything away, and uh, and you could and you could see it was great because the you know the hosts the host was was picking up what you were putting down and mm. uh and even the other lady mostly had to shut up and and when she did start to speak again like she sounded so dumb what's mm. going on bro yeah who's that who's that Charles? you know my name yeah it's Charles. what are you gonna say you know my name who am i Charles. that's right that's right yo what are you gonna say? Pee pee. Pee pee. Oh, congratulations! <laughs> wow, that's great. You don't have something nice to say to Charles? Pee pee. That's it. Yes. What about we? Maybe miss he you, Charles. We miss you, Charles. There we go. I, I miss and you too. Also, and we also went uh, more, more uh, swimming more often when you were here. Yeah. Oh uh -oh, well. Explain uh, <clears throat> why I didn't take them uh, swimming more. <laughs> well, yeah. Well. I'm gonna be there again by yeah, the summer. So he's he's coming again in the summer. Again? Yeah. That's oh. right. So you can can't get rid of me. We can all go swimming. Okay, but uh, <laughs> I can't find my swimming stuff. Oh, we'll, we'll, we'll live out. We'll I'm out. pretty. We can figure it out by by the summer. Yeah. I think. Okay. So. <laughs> um. Oh, I miss those little guys. They're, um, they're growing, man. Um, it's uh, so fast. And uh, I'm just, you know, I, I had to go to Tokyo and get my, and actually, you know what? My back is just, it's bad, but it's not as bad. I'm, well, no, that's, that. I, I've got to say, I'm being, I'm using heavy ibuprofen use at this point. I learned my lesson from the last treatment <laughs> uh, i'm not going to um let it get out of hand like it did so it was certainly intense yesterday and day before as it wore off but 
um, the I don't know. I'm I'm kind of hoping that it is going to do something with the I don't know, the, the MRI. The uh, when it, when you look at it in 3D and you just see how it's just all the discs down one side on on like on the left hand side have just all blown out basically. Um. Well, yeah, yeah, I'm sure it doesn't look. It just looks worse in 3D. I'm sure. The the uh, <laughs> the gray grayscale 1D um, MRI doesn't doesn't really do it justice. You have to you have to see yep. it all, but um, ah, you know, I, I, it, it it's a it's a small it's a small problem compared to what we're potentially dealing with, and you know the. I was encouraged yesterday as I was, you know, I hadn't been streaming because I'd agreed to do this um, talk for these Japanese doctors. And um, so there was some professors there. They knew, uh, or they'd followed Kevin's work with the plasmid contamination. So we're interested to speak to him. And I, I was sort of relaying the pre on issue and you know i even got in super prion um hypothesis and they understood it um i was making it such it was suppose more accessible for japanese audience but you know it's kind of it's kind of tough just to skim over what it is that you're dealing with and the scope that you're dealing with without getting into some technicalities um and the Japanese have a problem right now in that they're one of the few countries that are continuing to maintain high levels of exposure <clears throat> via, via these vaccines. And yep. Japan's continue has got a steadily increasing all cause mortality um data point. But I, I, well, we spoke about this before, but the they had the same problem that you had essentially, which is well, this this professor thought he, he had far more political sway than um, he actually thought. Thought he would be able to go to politicians in Japan and r relay what these issues. Are particularly as we've got something as as testable as you know the the powerful thing that Kevin did was basically enable a forensic testing of vials that had been pushed into circulation such that um, we can see that they've um, there is a contamination and so people can grasp what that means intuitively right because I don't know if you any. Um, Chinese pet food recalls or baby formula, right? <laughs> you know, you kind of you kind of understand that that there's this um, the cat, you know, the, but supply chains, etc. That it's it's an issue, and you should try and do something um, about it. But um, again, it was the 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 brush off was essentially there's nothing we can do. Or there's a there's a power they're coming up against that the tip of the public hierarchy knows it can't 
it can't go against unless there were, well unless there would be a bigger outcry. But I don't know, I don't know how you get a bigger outcry than what exists at the moment. To tell the truth. Well, so I I understand what you mean now in the sense that you know everything, all the problems that I've had and the, the friction that I've run up against, especially with this latest congressional committee, where they just um, they don't have the courage to to do it. And I would I would like to think that in Japan, it's it's less about pharma there than it is in the United States. But the fact that there's still not the courage um, is disconcerting. And I, well, and spe especially in Japan where there's a culture of not wanting to fuck up and not wanting to directly address um, issues. And so that, the, I mean, we learned about that in, in business school <laughs> about the cult cultural practices of different countries and the, and so Japan has its own its own hurdles that have to be crossed. Even though it's a different culture, there's still there's still cultural and political hurdles. And I guess that's disappointing, but I mean on the bright side, once again, to the dismay of JC and these other no virus retards, um we have been able we have been succeeding in getting bioweapons put into the uh, like conversational space. Discussion and... space. So I, I actually missed parts. It was late when Lindsay asked me <clears throat> to do the space that you, you were hosting with her about the congressional. And it was, I don't know, it was like three o'clock in the morning. I, I was listening to the live... Channel. Yeah, the live hearings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. Uh, it was on Twitter, but um, I must have dozed off because apparently they mentioned K26R. Um, they That's talked right. about biowarfare. And so it means, yeah, that that. Um, Ron Johnson. Ron Johnson actually did it this time. <laughs> mm -hmm. and, and, and he was asking, he was asking, you know, is that I'm trying to, I think it was him. It was that asked, okay, is that like feasible? And um, and Ryan Cole, to his credit, was like, yeah, we, we, we can't say what is actually happening, but we can say that, um, and I'm paraphrasing here, but, but basically that, that it's scientifically feasible and we know that it's something that that would that militaries would want to be doing. And so, um, and, and that's Peter McCullough. Oh, oh, and it was Peter McCullough that actually quoted from li literally. He had to have, he had to have seen my tweet, and he was almost verbatim quoting from it in, in the in how he was describing Farkas et al. And it was great. I mean, of course, they didn't mention my name. <laughs> I am the I'm the person who brought those two papers to the fore. Right. And he he was basically explaining like what I had in my thread. So he clearly had seen the thread. All right. And so, and that was really cool because once again, that was. I mean, it was a hearing. It wasn't like it wasn't um. It wasn't an under oath thing, mm. but mm. to hear Peter McCullough using my information, you know, like like uh, Rand Paul wrote about in his book and other stuff, I don't know. It feels good. Mm. Mm. Um, <clears throat> yeah. So I, I, I don't think. Look, there's not fame and riches no. down this um, 
no pathway it's just toil and um often but just... i don't but i don't i mean would i like to be rich yeah sure would it be cool to be famous oh, yeah sure but the most important thing is that uh is that the message is getting out there mm -hmm. and for for peter mccullough to say farkas et al two papers and then basically explain what i was explaining there i mean that's that's good that's important because yeah. if yeah. if i'm not going to be there and so so as hard as jc has worked and 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 i haven't talked about it on stream but i was incredibly disappointed because i wasn't even acknowledged in the book that i spent six months helping to research mm. um and jc was the first person named in the acknowledgments oh god which was which is cute. Um, and then throughout the book, like all references to me were, to me specifically were taken out. Most of them to diffuse, it was, it was reduced to like a very short chapter in which JC was quoted. Oh God. Oh yeah. Yeah. So you can, you can probably guess, you know, how impressive literally um, it, it quotes JC. The What's one of the few places in the book and it's literally JC. So he got got to write that part of the book. Basically, he got to. So what? What was his quote? <laughs> oh, I don't know. It's not real. I, I don't even remember. It's fake. I was so I was so fucking angry because, um, well, he he succeeded in what he was trying to do. Mm -mm. He, uh, I'm sure RFK wouldn't let him just completely. He he couldn't get rid of it completely, so he just set the narrative within the within the paper mm -hmm. it's disgusting so and, uh, and the thing is is just since then we've just had more and more confirmatory evidence coming out and the... right so all the proof so all this bullshit when he was saying oh well you know this is released on purpose or whatever and then well he jc hasn't seen the newest shit because by the way uh, further drafts have come out well, they, they haven't been fully publicly released yet, um, but I've seen the FOIAs now for 10 days. And and we know that there's, they literally, in these new FOIAs, there's, in, in a, so in a draft of the diffuse proposal, they talk about the chimeric construction of the virus. And in the next section that was removed, it says, and these six pieces and these five restriction sites or whatever it was, like literally... Mm. exactly <laughs> and talking showing ex the exact chimeric construction so so further confirmation of of that piece of it and then and then um i don't know who it was but barrick was involved in this in this process and magically that part was nixed in the uh in the final part of the proposal so mm. and there's more goodies in there too so the bottom line is, is JC is wrong. He's still wrong. And he has done a lot of damage. But yeah, yeah, it's, in uh, the grand scheme of things, we are winning despite that. Yeah, it sucks for me personally, but but in the grand scheme of things, at least overall, things are moving in the right direction. And I, w I would just say, um, you know, it's it's almost fortuitous that he did do what he did because well, it allows you to address that problem you know you might as well get that problem out of the way right and the yeah 
what's going to sort of aggregate around it and you know that's that's this tip into the um panda retard space and um the and i can you know i'm trying to i'm i'm, try, I'm you know should, is is there a debate to be had around and i'm not sure it's a useful debate but you know you could say well if if this was a bio warfare event does it help to talk about it as a pandemic maybe maybe the language could be tuned around that if that's what we're trying to sort of get across and you know and there's a point of agreement that yeah you probably had um if, if you wanted to achieve maximal effect then why not why not um seed in in various well, areas well yeah and well the, we have what should be pretty pretty um suspicious um evidence or i would call it evidence the fact that um where was this leaked first well in china mm. but then in iran mm. which by the way just uh, you know they happen to be very susceptible to it and they got it really really bad early on so did russia like you like you stated in the in that show and that's mm. so so we 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 can have seeding events and it still be an actual virus. Mm -hmm. Th those are not mutually exclusive. Mm. And so, and that's why I, th I think that, you know, however we need to like I tweak the explanation or whatever, if in order to just slap down the, the stupid JC argument, yeah, I guess we could do that. But at the end of the day, um, it, you, they're not mutually exclusive and that's so that's a, a real key mm. and uh, and but i mean er, other than that everything else that you're explaining um i think you explained it even better and when it was more you're more time constrained but you were still able to to get out the main points and just bat down every stupid thing that was being said mm. by that other chick and so i mean i think it went great mm -hmm. i say when <laughs> When people, people, what did she, what was the example she gave? Heirloom seeds being put in battery acid. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. She was, she was, she was reaching and it was, it was interesting because I, I was able to hear the whole thing. And so, um, I, uh, I could tell that she, she grew more and more frustrated because she realized that her stupid bullet points you you just kept swatting them out of the way with actual logic, and uh, and so I was I was glad that the that the last two callers were complimentary because because it really was good and uh, I'm glad that yeah I'm know. glad there was some complimentary calls because uh, the the <laughs> Jebediahs down in <clears throat> the, the south there were uh, I, yeah. I I, I it, it's. I feel more affinity for those people. Uh, I want to help those people than I do any anything approximating the institutional side. But yeah, goddamn, there's some dimwits. <laughs> yeah, and they just refuse to. It, they stick to their guns, but I could kind of tell. I, she seemed like a little bit less of a shill, and just like she wasn't as educated on the on the actual questions. Mm. Uh, of course, I would say that it's not like 
you know, once again, prior to this, I was just a bioweapons expert. So, you know, mm. but um, anyway, uh, let's see. Let's see what's going on in the chat. Oh, there's something I saw in the chat a second ago that. Someone asked you about what you think of George Webb. I saw. Well, I think. <clears throat> well, since nobody here, more than likely, was part, I, I did a, like a two-hour, um, discussion with his little neighborhood watch, group, and there's probably like thirty people on the on the, on the call. Uh, and and Karma Doc had set that up. And, and that was an act, like, when I just went through and laid out uh, some things, corrected some things, mm. um, he, 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 he seemed very much like the, and this is only my perspective. I, I don't know him that well. And so maybe, maybe he's not, maybe he's gone back and disavowed this, but, but both he and his audience were very receptive and I was able to explain things, uh, correct some things that that he had said that were incorrect, and uh, I thought it went really well. Now, do I think that? I mean, yeah, I don't know what his role is. Just that he, I, th I put him in the same category as Andrew Huff, where, um, you know, they they can say good things and they can say things that don't make sense or kind of come out of left field um but the, the, they both the, might be deep state but people are allowed their opinions right that, that's right um, can't take that away and look the good thing about george is that he's walking this biowarfare space he's looking at these right exactly just like and... just like um andrew huff like mm -hmm. they're not afraid to to say some things that need to get said, but it's also easy for them to get sidetracked and and rabbit holed into different things. Mm. Um, so, yeah, it's uh, I don't I don't know, but the my my what I try to do is is really what you try to do is I don't want to shut myself off from any discussion because that's the only way you're going to educate. Edu we have to educate our way out of this. Mm -hmm. And so you have to be able to go into places or go into conversations that with people who might not agree with you for, for good reasons or for chill reasons. But so if, if we can just win over some people in their audience and just lay out a case, have answers to all their, to their comments. And then eventually we break through mm -hmm. and, if if it didn't work, then well, then RFK or Rand Paul or Senator Johnson or Matt Gates or um oh gosh the other the other guy that was in the who, who was it uh, Marjorie Taylor Green but or or Peter McCullough like when they are saying the things when they're moving in the direction that we want them to go mm -hmm. if Peter McCullough says the word bioweapons over and over again in in a congressional hearing. Then to me, that's a sign of progress. Yeah, because th that's what we need. Yeah, and it's, and it's not just because he's quoting me. I mean, that's nice, but well, we, if, a year ago, right. <laughs> we weren't even the bio warfare discussions. Just 
was it seemed so far off the oh yeah nobody nobody was saying buy at worth so we're not as far well, that's, along. That's yet. not true. The one thing that lady said, was, which was true, was that Francis Boyle. Oh, okay, yes, Francis Boyle, who, which is not a small thing, beginning. dude. <laughs> no, that is not a small thing. It's like Francis Boyle, and of course Joanna. You know, you know, and people in that realm, they were so. Joanna has been right there from the beginning on her own. I, she was she was saying and doing things that I was eighteen months behind on, mm-hmm. and I'm okay with admitting that. Like she was right there from the beginning, like. But the day that Pratt and that Al came out, she's like, "Oh, okay, yep, this is this is pretty much it." Mm-hmm. And then she was briefing it to the Bundeswehr um, in May of 2020. Mm-hmm. So yes, so Joanna and Francis Boyle, I would say, are the two, you know. No, I, 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 I haven't i didn't jump into this space with that in mind right i was like oh yeah, yeah chinese labs okay <laughs> i know what those are like <clears throat> right, military civil fusion the odds are pretty good that there's some military stuff going on with that and you know i'm i'm proud of the fact that i oh, was yeah, able to did, Lindsay wants to come on um do you mind if sure. she comes on she's I keep promising. Um, I mean, I don't even know how long you wanted to stream for, but I, I, I don't mind. I, I, I've, I've bit, been but... um, slacking in my streaming um, duties, and that's primarily. Well, me too. Me. Hold on. I'll be right back. I got to go take my medicine, actually. Sure. If you want to come on and talk about um, DMSO, um, you're more than welcome. And let's do this. Um, let's do this. WTYL is not live. Really? That's strange. I blame that bleak of mine. Um, I don't know what happened there, but oh yeah, I know why it's not live. He was looking to do um, upgrade to uh, the new instance of PeerTube, so uh, that'll be that'll be why. So, um, Lindsay, I sent you a Zoom link. Um, DMSO for prions. Um, look, if, if it does work, um, I'm, I'm all for it. I mean, it would be a relatively, um, cheap, um, cheap and relatively non-toxic approach, but... Um, it's the first I've heard about um, DMSO being used for um, prions, but let's see what the old Google machine says about um, 
Uh, just delays. <laughs> just, just delays. Um, yeah, there's a there's a whole bunch of stuff that just does delaying. Um, it doesn't stop. Um, but the, um, and yeah, it's yeast prions. Yeast prions are not the. They're good model systems for trying to understand, um, the, like the molecular structures and what they're doing but it doesn't it doesn't translate to the uh, mammalian systems in this instance so um again i would be i don't i don't think that there are silver bullets here just just slowing down and it's it's the genetic adaptation that will eventually win out in this sense i would hope i would hope but i mean <laughs> where 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 have we been in a situation where you've had this synchronized infusion into the um into the population like we've had in the last um four years that's <laughs> that's unparalleled and i don't i don't know how that would um, uh, you know what the impact of that would be over generations I mean you know you, you would you would think that a lot of these people who were sort of trying to sort of push back against or oh, there's no viruses and what have you <clears throat> um, they're the people that usually buy onto well they, yeah there's there are um, they're trying to cull populations and um, things like this as part of uh, the uh, these Bill Gates whatever type conspiracy. Well, I'm not sure it's conspiracy, but um, the uh, let's see, I've got Doc Keck and Lindsay coming in. So uh, sorry, <coughs> somebody just said they can't get over my sexy stash. Well, <laughs> I, you could see all you could see there's more but it's two days worth of growth so sorry hey guys hello hello how are y'all uh good um i'm let me just move the chat as it's stuck right on your face um i'll put it on <laughs> oh god my big ugly face i'll, I'll put it look on my, my hair i have hair guys <laughs> come back yeah it's still fun like right through here but it came back. Mm. Um, well, that's good. My face is healing, but I get these weird rashes and bumps for I had the shingles and stuff. But mm. I don't know. I'm healing slowly. Yeah, well, my, at, least, uh, at least you don't have to worry with my problem, which is I can't fix my face. It's always <laughs> this way. So. <laughs> yeah. so don't feel bad. At least yours can heal. Mine. I was blessed with a good face, too, at least. <laughs> I wish I could say the same, but yeah, oh, <laughs> it's not hard to to be at the top of this particular. Group <laughs> yeah, it's an easy way, easy race to win. So, uh, <laughs> well, uh, Anthony's uh, a uh, good-looking dude, as far as I can ascertain. So, um, Doc Keck, you're talking yeah, about? Yeah, yeah. Hey, Doctor Keck. He doesn't want to show Cheers. his face. Well, actually, I'm I'm gonna 
break that today. I'm setting up the cameras. Give me a second. Yay. Yeah. Hey. Look, I'm getting everybody feeling froggy. Bored, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I'm all jacked up on steroids. So I've been bugging you two guys. Thank you for letting me bug you. Uh, no, you're more than welcome. And, uh... Oh, oh. So that's what you look like. Oh, right. <laughs> How's so, it going? I did, not, I did not see the beard. Oh, really? All right. Well. Kind of, I like to, to break it out sometimes, you know. It's winter time. <laughs> I actually just watched that the other day. Since I've had a lot of free time uh, laying in bed. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, yeah. But you're, it, it's holding, right? The ACE inhibitors are working. So... Uh, well, I mean, so, well, I had two problems. I had um, cardiac and, and blood pressure issues, that, and they were, you know, probably um, part of or being like inflammation from the diverticulitis was probably not helping, but that's kind of getting better at the moment. And it's still, I'm still getting the um, the circadian the circadian rises in blood pressure twice a day. And so, and that's only, even with the lisinopril, I still need the clonidine to, to really keep it at baseline. What's your heart rate do when it, when your blood pressure fluctuates, does it go up or down or just stays? Mostly it's been stable, which has been strange. The two times I went into the hospital with chest pains, um, is the two times where it got, where where the heart rate also jumped really high. So, Mm -hmm. So, but typically my blood pressure prior my blood pressure was b- between 140 and 160 just constantly for the first 10 days after i got sick and prior well prior to medication and then the medication like the underlying problem is still there it's not going away yet i wonder so, if you're going into a cytokine storm cuz that's what mine did um it was like 180 over 102 um on day 10 when I went to cytokine storm and then my heart rate was like 170s but resting it would be like 110 115 and I was an athlete yeah. before so my heart rate was like 70s perfectly and no no hypertension whatsoever well for, for me it's been it's been heart rate or not I'm sorry my heart rate has been stable it's your blood um, pressure it's been, it's blood pressure both diastolic and systolic and so like at, when I went when I was having the chest pains really bad, um, it was like 178 over 120. And I know it got higher because that was before I took the clonidine and then immediately went to the hospital. What but, did your uh, chest pain feel like? Was it like sharp shooting? Did it radiate? Did it stay? Like, how was, did you describe it? Like, mine's more pressure than pain. Well, yeah, I guess it would be more, more pressure. Like squeezing. But- but the second time I went to the hospital and they like immediately took me back and admitted me and everything. Uh, it, it was the worst that it's, that it's mm-hmm. ever been. So, um, I mean, I went in because I thought I might be having a stroke or a heart attack. So, yeah. um, but once again, just like when I've been now in the last few days, Kevin, I've been listening to a lot more like vaccine injury type spaces and stuff. And, and I am hearing a lot of things that, sound familiar and the fact that the stress test that they did in my heart was they actually was, made you do a stress test mm-hmm. oh, oh yeah because it was it was pretty bad like they 
they were pumping mm -hmm. in nitrates and doing all sorts of stuff. But once again, when they went in there, they, they couldn't figure out basically idiopathic um, issues. Mm -hmm. But 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 like the tests were were good. Like blood sugar was good. Everything was good. Uh, you know, I have some yeah, I have come back white blood cell count stuff. But but yeah, they can't. But they can't figure out what's wrong. And of course we kind of know that they're probably not going to using traditional things. So I am, mm. so one of the things I, I do want to do and um, is I do want to <laughs> get tested for circulating spike. So yeah, you need that and you need um suit. So, yeah. Your spike antigen level is, I was going to say nucleocapsid, but you've had the virus, so you don't need that. So, yeah, so I, I, my nucleocapsid was negative, so I've never had the virus. Mine was just back spike. Well, I mean, I think we all know that that was probably causing me problems now. If it is some sort of long COVID, and we're seeing all these yes. papers come out saying that circulating spike is directly correlated with long COVID, uh, I'm just going to go out on a limb and say it's it's probably not the uh, it's it's more likely to be. Well, I, I, I don't know. It, I, I would say that it's a combination of, of different things because once again, if, if I've been double jabbed like I was, yeah, that was two and a half years ago, but the infection is just going to, every time I get mm -hmm. infected with it, it it's probably just going to also ping it and, and potentially push it over. And, and I think that's probably part of the mix as well. So, but once again, it, it's not just one thing. This is a whole it's a syndrome. Uh, it's a complex system. Uh, constellation of problems. Yeah. We're you might also complex. want to check. For, you might also want to check for uh, anti-idiotype antibodies. You know the anti-COVID nineteen antibodies that help to clear that basically mirror the spike and see if that's also circulating as well. Hmm. What are those? Will you send me those, Doctor Cook? Uh, yeah, it's it basically, well, the principle is that you have uh, antibodies uh, to the spike protein, mm -hmm. but then your body uh, has to clear those antibodies. And the way that it does is it has to create antibodies for your antibodies. Mm -hmm. They're called an anti-idiotype antibodies. Well, if, uh, if your body makes an antibody to clear an antibody and your antibody is meant to bind to the spike mm -hmm. protein, then the idi anti-idiotype antibody has to mirror the part of the spike yeah. protein that it binds to. You lost me. With... Clear. Uh, yeah. I, I'm, I'm <laughs> up with your button down, but yeah, but but yes, that would be a good thing to test for then. Yeah. Yeah, and on the on the diverticulitis side, um, there is uh, something called Archaea. Uh, I was introduced to it mm -hmm. uh, late last year. I don't know if you're familiar with them. Uh, yeah. But. Okay, and I have a I'll have a link on the link tree to uh, Dr. Jeffrey West. He has the largest uh, library of Archaea. Uh, he patented uh, the technology to get it into a dry form, and he he does recommend it for like Crohn's disease, lower bowel, bowel types of issues to help to to clear that. It just might be a solution on that specific part. Oh, so you, you. micro. So basically, like a um, similar to a probiotic, but an mm -hmm. Archaea probiotic. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, yeah, they're they're nine they're nine times smaller than bacteria. But uh, what he, what he mentions is like if um, if your probiotics or your bacteria are the army, then the archaea are like the officers. So they actually make your uh, microbiome or like the bacteria more efficacious, and then they can also deal with things themselves, like thermally, metabolically, and um, and with with frequency. <laughs> it's really cool stuff.
Hmm. Yeah, so I, I took some um, and used it in conjunction with the Rife machine when I was doing the uh, the Rife. And we, we checked my blood before and after. That's when my blood was really funky. And I still need somebody to look at that and, and like, analyze it in the lab because it was, I was like, this, there ain't, what the hell is this? This is not right. Like, this needs to be looked at um, closely, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and I've sp- spoken with Jeffrey West, and he had mentioned that, um, you know, in, in terms of the uh, differentials in people's blood, kind of like it getting clumpy, he he was saying that he's seeing that in everyone, even people who are not vaxxed. Like and... a rouleau effect type, uh, like coinin type kind of. Mm. It was really weird looking. Yeah, um, it's, uh, it, it's often dependent as well how long it's been on like the slide and stuff like my kids were asking me yesterday can you see cells i was like yeah you can see cells on on a microscope and they were like uh, and they were like well how and i was like well you can you can see blood cells and i said oh my son was like can you take my blood then and put it on the thing i was like well you know maybe i should do that and i sort of i've got the i got the needle here and front of me still but it's a big long hypodermic but stuck that in my finger and you know you could what gauge is it it's 21 gauge but it's like uh, (laughs) three inches two and three quarter inches long um yeah he 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 was injecting me uh while i was there and he he pulls out this needle that's like super long (laughs) and uh he's got he's got this little trimmer so (laughs) i kind of got used to being like oh geez here we go yeah (laughs) so but anyway you could you know i could i was watching mine my blood and just like showing the kids but you could you can see it as it's you know it's spread out thin and as it's starting to dry it'll sort of start clumping up together and so you have to be very um it's it's a very fine art to um getting the blood on there keeping it in a um liquid enough form that it doesn't it doesn't just start drying out very very quickly well ours clots in like two seconds before it even hits the tube contents it's, it's ridiculous mm-hmm. i ain't never seen anything like it before and it's dark red it's like i call it mud blood it's dark red almost black it's real like con- congealed like consistency mm-hmm. and it's just it's just not normal mm-hmm. but what if the clinicians just said about that all right they just notice it, like, oh, that's unvaxed blood. You could feel a difference in color. Definitely deoxygenated. Well, I mean, it's supposed to be dark when it comes out of a vein, but... Um, <clears throat> it's like black, almost. Yeah, so you, like, it should oxygenate in, in air, right? So you should see if there's, like, you, you should test that. That would be something worth doing just get a little a little drop and put that on a slide and just see if it'll um brighten with uh ambient ambient air well i think that's what she's saying is that it doesn't like it comes out and it looks just darker i'm, I'm presuming that's going into a tube though right or no just like drawing out of the catheter into the tube into the tube like it clots before it gets to the tube like it's caught in, in the tubing mm. from the catheter. Mm. Yeah, but like the, it, it. it's sealed, so it's not open to air, right? So you no. can't you can't see if the no. hemoglobin would would react. 
that that's what I'm saying is just just take blood outside of a sealed. Well, I got the blood. Uh, just come. I'll just come to Japan and uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> your tests and all. <laughs> if you don't mind me sticking you a few times with. No, the... <laughs> I'm used to it. I'm a guinea pig, you know. <laughs> well, when they when they were taking all the blood from me, um, I presume that if they wanted to, I, I don't know if there's some sort of additional thing they can test for, but you know, it, when they did this, I think it's the CBC, whatever, whichever they were just doing all sorts of tests with me, but um, the complete blood count or whatever it is, I mean, everything on there was like a certain specified set of stuff. I don't remember if it had, if it talked about like for urine, when you take urine, they'll, they'll, they'll say color and then they'll, they'll look at, you know, was there X, Y, or Z in it or something? Um, and for the blood, like, I don't like the only things that were different about my blood panels was my white blood cell, the WBC, whatever it was, was high always mm -hmm. a little bit high and then the mh the mchc mm -hmm. whatever that is which is red blood yes. cells Corpuscular. yeah that was always low so i don't know what that means but that was consistently happening and, and all the blood draws they were doing those two specific things were always were always off so i don't know what that means but hemoglobin my, yeah hemoglobin uh my hemoglobin and my red blood cell count, hemoglobin and hematocrit were always high. But my iron, TIBC, and my ferritin were always normal. So it wasn't like hemochromatosis or overload. But I don't know. It's, it's jacked up. Well, well that's why I, I was going to ask. Because, um, so actually, someone's guy... asking in the chat, are you taking um, anticoagulants, Lindsay? Me? Yeah. You I'm are. on triple antifrac therapy. Mm -hmm. Clavix, uh, Eliquis, mm -hmm. Aspirin, and Nato Panes. I mean, I'm taking Aspirin as well, yeah. just because, well, because I don't know if there's like some giant spider clot somewhere in me that's really what's causing all this right now. Mm. And, uh, you know. Yeah, Jordan Vaughn's going to do my microclotin, but uh, Pierre went ahead and put, put it on prophylactically because even though I've ruled out myocarditis, I've had cardiac MRI echo ekg has been clean we haven't done a pet scan yet that's what i'm concerned about but um i still have shortness of breath on exertion and it could be some you know subclinical that hasn't been picked up and that's why i'm concerned now because the steroids has helped me so much like i've gotten up and done adls today and like just chores and i can actually stand up longer than 10 minutes so it's like hmm i don't know I don't want to. I don't want to get another scan, but if it's working, I don't know. You're not the only person. I know other people who are on continuous yeah. steroids. And, Wait, uh, and that's the only thing I haven't tried in two years. And I was like, let's try it. You know, well, why not? It's, it's like one of the only things that's worked for them too. And uh, yeah. that's not comforting because you're really not supposed to do that mm. in the long term. Mm. So, no. so yeah, that's you know. That is I wonder if it's uh, helping my cytokine storm, though, if it's uh, helping with the inflammation there or if it's just helping the vagus nerve in my pots. Well, I mean, it's, it's all such, inflammation. Such, yeah, such a wide um, yeah. 
that'd right, be hard right. to know. Um, but yeah, it's it's not a drug that you're supposed to be taking long term. No. Um, the, I mean, the usual protocol is like they'll. There's, I'll start talking in terms of monkeys here. Is that you you rescue the monkey with corticosteroids, but weak max mm -hmm. is what we were allowed to do, and then you you would well, have. We're to... all primates, so. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but you, you're closer to primates. Than we are. Yeah. But you, know you look it. like one and smell like one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I don't want to say if I know what he smells like, but we ain't that close. But uh, I'm telling you, uh, we smell different now. Yeah. Our our sweat smells different, Charles. I don't know if you noticed this yet, but I've heard reports. I'm not the only one. Like it smells sweet but spicy at the same time. Uh, but we've it's like real thick too in consistency. It's it's different. We don't it's like we can't control our thermoregulation either. Yeah, I wonder well, I wonder that, if we were looking... that is something I'm having. The thermoregulation yeah. hot, hot flashes, cold flashes, can't control it, nothing. Yeah. And I'm I'm wondering, we did the paper the other day where we were looking at the um build up in amyloid in muscle. Yeah. And you know the uh, it was a frustrating paper because they um, they didn't they didn't do oh, I can't remember it was a nuclear capsid testing I think um, spike test or, or one or the other but um, you know it was um, it would have helped sort of move in or out yeah they just did nuclear capsid testing and <clears throat> we don't so, so we don't know if it was yeah. yeah we don't know if it was um, if there was spike present in long haulers who were having these problems but what they what they showed was that they were um <clears throat> they were having problems doing oxidative respiration and so were essentially mm -hmm. having to use pyruvate um pathways and anaerobic type mm -hmm. um respiration and that's probably why you're getting that um sort of um I don't know what we we call it like. Uh, what were those sweets called? Lime, le lemon or lime drops or something. But it <laughs> adds that sort of uh, fruity acetone type mm -hmm. um, smell to it. And mm. um, if you're on like keto, you can um, smell like that somewhat as well. Um, yeah, weird. Mm. Sugars have been stable though, because I've been I've been checking those. Um, I mean highest maybe is like 120 so nuts mm. after like a any carb or sugar but the, when the, i was actually when i was in the hospital they they did that as well and mine was completely normal yeah anyway if you if your body's is not really using it it can't oxidize it can't oxidize it right so yeah it's you know the your body keeps it tightly under control and but if the the muscles that are demanding energy the only option they have is this um, anaerobic pathway, and, like rhabdo. Right. Well, and in in a sense, it it kind of looked like they had micro rhabdo rhabdo because the the muscle fibers were dying back, and mm. the um. Well, I mean, what the what they were measuring was post exertional malaise. Right. Why? Why do? Why do you feel so beat up when you're just trying to do normal activity? 
and yeah. if the if you know every muscle um, fiber, I forgot what the like sarcomeres and the um, bundles that they come in. Yeah, if I don't know, twenty percent of those are necrotic or something, or and that might be a bit of a high number, but you know, I, I, I don't think it would take much in terms of um, that type of pathology going on to make it so that it hurts, right? And I was trying to explain on the stream that in that type of um, state. You know, there's all, all these people say, "Oh, you want to get out and get some exercise? That'll make you feel better." But there's no, there's no um, rewarding or um, any any return on exercise as that sort of therapy. You just you just get right. crippled with more pain and more fatigue, and <clears throat> makes you worse. Yeah, 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 yeah. That almost sounds like you, Kevin. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> But I've, I've I've been like that for well even prior to COVID I had, had this long I say um, I think it's happens to uh, in response to a bunch of viral pathogens and you know I I'd, I'd sort of been holding in my head that it was that could be why what what long hauler was even before COVID right what, why would why how could you have such prolonged symptoms where they would be um, no um, outward, well, you, you you get sent to um, rheumatologists and um, physiotherapists, etc. Now, but they'll be like, "Oh, there's no, nothing here." Um, the so, you, are you talking about like so long COVID or prior to COVID, like ME CFS? Mm -hmm, kind of thing? Mm -hmm, yeah, yeah, yeah. And my my working presumption is that it was primarily in the central nervous system, but now that they've done the amyloid staining in the muscle like this study has done well it, it's showing that it's systemic and within i want to i'm trying to think back to that paper now but i can't i want to say that the amyloid fi uh, fibers were outside of the blood vessels and in the um within the sort of membrane part of the muscle so it was it, it's not like the microcirculation was clogging up with amyloid and it was getting in. So it was the, the seed was getting past the, um, the epithelia, getting into the muscle and then causing the uh, amyloid to build up in muscle. And that's, that's just gonna, that's just going to feel, um, incredibly painful. Um, for anyone that has that, that type of load and, you know, it'll, it'll, it'll tend to go towards, you know, you hopefully work towards more sort of healthy state, but I think you're, you're always going to have that, um, what, the pathological Reservoir? level now. Yeah. You just never get yeah. back, get back to normal. And that's, that's what they're seeing in, um, in, in these individuals now. And, Chili Zavra says, "Sounds like an excuse not to do any exercise." Well, actually, I, you know, I, I was active um, right up till SARS. So even even past my head injury, I was still active enough, and I would I would in well, I could cycle more than anything. Yeah, you were saying you you could still like um, you know ride your bike through the hills and whatnot. Mm -mm -mm. But um, weights <clears throat> I couldn't do. Right, if I did weight training. 
um, that would break me. So like, and something like that, where you're sort of, essentially you're just deliberately trying to tear muscle fiber to build, um, you know, muscle bulk and strength. And yeah, that was, um, it would just, that would make me crash um, very, very hard. But, tough to tough to do that when you're heading into the situation already running anaerobically, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. and that's pretty much what they find, you know, because the um, it, it's pretty much an autoimmune driven disorder where you know CD16 are presenting the spike protein. The um, on the anaerobic side, they find that just with the ACE2 binding, that's enough to trigger mitochondria to to speed up and then go anaerobic faster. You know, that's just with ACE2, not even getting into the cytokines and chemokines. Uh, on the amyloid side, you know, if it's uh, if uh, if S- if uh, CD16 is an antigen presenting cell, then if the furin cleavage site is presented, then that that'll cascade down into the phylopodia, you know, kind of causing that uh, kind of cascade down. So that's that's kind of makes sense to me in terms of the amyloid getting past the endothelial, but the endothelial kind of being like the trigger point going on. This is pretty much all. Dr. Bruce Patterson's uh, work, what he's finding, he says uh, long COVID is three basic things. He says angiogenesis, which is the spontaneous blood vessel formation, that's the phylopodia or amyloidogenesis, um, uh, cytokinemia, which is the, the cytokines kind of just going on. They they're they're neurodegenerative on themselves if they can you know if they if they persist. One thing that um, you might want to look at if you do have elevated cytokines, I see that Lindsay already left. Um, you know, uh, one thing that I've seen is uh, the plasmapheresis with the cytosorb filter, where you're able to kind of basically take the blood out, filter it through a cytokine filter, and then pull the cytokines out of your system. That's a way to kind of like reset your blood if if cytokinemia is something that you're dealing with. Hmm. Uh, and and then yeah, the third I'm, one is just... I'm taken with the plasmapheresis. Um, in this instance, so um, I'm collaborating with this group in Germany who are doing it, um, heparin apheresis. Yep, and they're, they're the egg. Yeah, and they're, they're able to reduce the amyloid clots in the blood significantly, and that would that would be one way. Or, I, I, you know, out of every sort of method that people are flying around, that that's the one I think which is going to be um, the uh, the main one. Hang on, I'm trying to let Lindsay back in real quick. Uh, so, so I'm. <clears throat> I just want to hear from you. Uh, <laughs> the uh, so if I'm if they gave me an, if they gave me lisinopril an ACE inhibitor, how why is that? What's the mechanism that's helping me? Because it is helping. Uh, if it's an ACE inhibitor, mm-hmm. well, then it, it's um, I I don't I'm not familiar with the pharmacokinetics of lisinopril as it relates to this. You know, specifically, just off the top of my head, what I would say is that it's just reducing the possibility of binding by, um, you know, either either uh, reducing the ability for it or or just binding to the ACE two itself, uh, and then just not leaving the space open uh, for the for the spike to bind. That's just top of head, but I'm not, you know, mm. don't quote me on that. <laughs> oh, I will. I'm gonna be, oh, yep. Tony said. All right. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go tell Dr. Fleming. Yep. Sorry, my phone died. <laughs> Tony says. Oh, your phone died? Yeah, we were wondering why you just. 
I was like, I just disappeared like bye bitches. <laughs> I guess I guess we were bo- we were too boring. You didn't want to talk anymore. <laughs> no. I was like, damn. So you can't get rid of me that easy. You're stuck with me, guys. I hate to say it. <laughs> Buckle up, buttercups. No, oh, you're you're like our little spike protein. Favorite little spike. So I don't know what's I, I saw you were who were you beefing with this week, Anthony? I saw you some <laughs> who, me? No, Anthony. I'm uh, being good this week. Okay, I, I caused too much chaos. I want to say it was some doctor person actually had doctor in the name. But... Yeah, I just uh, I'll I'll send it to you. It's uh, I, I was I was I got a little caught up in my feels. Um, I was sick and it was like past midnight, and I just wasn't really having it. That's what I said. Yeah, no. <laughs> and then she just I don't know, like she went for fifteen minutes and couldn't get my name out of her mouth, and just completely missed the context of what it is that I was saying. So then I went on. And I started to talk about solutions that I have found, you know, Rife Machines, the Archaea, and then another one, um, uh, Dr. Pras- Dr. Prasad, uh, it's a military micronutrient formula. Actually, this is something else I came across like last month. Uh, it's the most widely studied nutritional combination uh, in, the w- in the world. 40 years of research in the military. Um, the formulator sits on the Nobel Prize nominating committee for medicine. I was able to ask him a couple questions. Um, and that is linked in my channel under researchers uh, in the Raccoon Bunker. If you kind of wanted to see that, uh, that was back on oh. December seventh. Um, so, I think she probably took um, exception to that because she herself does like IV nutrition, and I was saying that it's the best thing that I have found, and it's just a little bit of back and forth with that. But um, you know, she's actually the one where I got the DS uh, D- uh, DMSO from, like, and, and she shared a story. So basically, let me see if I can find. I haven't tried that yet, but I've heard some good reports from some of the injured uh, that are trying it. Yep. Um, be our test monkey for uh, methylene blue. Have you tried that? Well, I have oh. some. Yeah, methylene blue is great because it's a it's a chromophore that uh, is able to yeah. absorb light into your complement four and your electron transport chain. Uh, the, the trick with uh, with methylene blue is that you have to get sun, either like the first sun in the early morning or mm-hmm. the late night sun, because it's the infrared that gets absorbed into your body and the light actually helps to fuel and will help to supplement mitochondria function. So, yeah. uh, Rixie, if, if you haven't tried that yet, that is something that you definitely might want to add to your regimen. Um, infrared blue. light, too. That's actually, a good I was one. Ask, so I was just about to say. So, so I got a hookah. So if I. Oh, oh, so you're not talking, you're not talking like, I was just going to throw this out there since you said infrared. So like, would a tanning bed be helpful at all? Um, No, it's ultra, that's ultraviolet. You need, you need infrared. Yeah. Near infrared. I I was pretty sure that was the case. I just, I was hopeful. I was like, Hey, that's easy. I can get some vitamin D that way. (laughs) I can get a tan and. Yeah. We, we need a tan. Gosh, I ain't seen the sun. Like I have like lupus type symptoms. The sun like hates my skin. Well, I was it's just so taking super. I was just taking Cipro for the for a while, so I I wasn't supposed to go out into the sun. Period. So. Oh yeah, man. And I, I dealt with uh, Lyme last year, and I was mm-hmm. on doxycycline, and I it, like five minutes out, and my skin was like I, I could see my skin 
baking just like the steam's coming up on it I'm like yeah like a vampire <laughs> I need to get lime tested because i have ebv re- reactivation and then i have the shingles so i know i got some buggies in me mm. that's that's something my wife is pinging backwards and forwards between right now yeah it's just shingles and then she has pemphigoid and it's one back to the other and um it doesn't seem to stop at the moment and it's that. only had the shingles once so far thank god i hope i don't get them again but my immune system's shit right now because i have double infection so Mm. who knows what's gonna happen (laughs) this russian roulette Mm. well this is the this is the attrition pressures that they want and you know the Mm -hmm. it's repeat customers (laughs) wait so kevin your your wife has to put up with that and you yes it's impressive she's a saint (laughs) that explains a lot oh uh, she gives as good as she gets don't worry Um, well i know I can say that. I'm going to come see y'all in Japan. We're just going to take a big road trip. Um, you're more than welcome. Well, to. I got I got bad news for you. You need more than roads to get there, but uh... <laughs> <laughs> I got to get my canoe ready. Uh, yeah, don't 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 do uh, Charles Start on the way that. here. How was it? Was like 50 hours you took? Oh, oh my God. God. That was the worst thing on the planet. Yep. Oh, and had to go through Canada. So that was just the worst. <laughs> He was, uh, wow. I had nothing left when I got there, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah. And, well, it it was, I I know that pain. I've done that. Well, it wasn't quite 50 hours, but it was high 30s, I want to say. That's not a fun time of. No, and I, I wasn't, I didn't like break it up in like a night in a hotel or anything. That was just, I'm going to. Tough it out on the airport floor. <laughs> and, uh, um, I couldn't do it nowadays. I was supposed to come to the US. I wanted to go and see Karma Doc, but I can't sit. I, there's no way I could sit on a airplane mm-hmm. seat at the moment, and I, I can't see me unless something. Oh, you, need, you need to get one of those donuts. I have <laughs> one, dude, and I'm sitting, I'm sitting on basically. It, it's it's excellent. Um, it's uh, it's like this purple pillow. I think it's just called purple pillow. Right? Purple like, people eater. Oh yeah, I know exactly. Yeah, it's it's common with truckers. Yeah. 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 And I'm. Sitting... What do you? Is that your lumbar calf? Yeah, That's I've got right? I've got uh three discs, all um, well blown out on the. They have a gangster lean. That's what I call it. Mm. I got two in my neck, and then spondylolisthesis in my. And my L4, L5. Mm. And is that not, it? Oh. It's not fun. <laughs> you should be walking around all the time. Yeah. <laughs> like people say to me, I could, you know, start doing uh, exercise. I'm like, I really, I want to. <laughs> I have no idea. I want to. We, just... we, we did some. We did some while we were uh, mm-hmm. over there. But, and, but I don't, I guess, I guess it's not like biking would be better than walking. Because I was doing a lot of walking. I was trying to get back and walking while I was there. And we and we did some walking, but but you're right. You your you could always tell like the next day your your energy was just mm. it was just gone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I'm in an even worse spot. I don't know why my back just suddenly started getting 
significantly worse. I say, I mean, it was bad, but. Uh... Well, it's because I'm not there to massage you anymore. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I just got that visual. Thanks. <laughs> um, uh... We, uh, oh, oh, I kind of, it, it just sort of b- b- built up to the point I was like, oh my God, I'm just, um, I realized I was just going from bed to this chair and back to bed again. And That's all I do. Yeah. I live in the bed. Mm. Same. That. Hey, 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 I live on my couch. Couch <laughs> bed. Couch That's... bed. Let's play chicken and see if you can pass out before you reach the couch. <laughs> well, no offense, but uh, man, I'm just really, I don't know. I don't know how you deal with it, Lindsay, because three know. weeks of just, of just having several things going on in your body and just beaten down and feels like crap. And then you're, I'm not human anymore. So it's, have they accepted that it was vaccines that did this to you? Me? Yeah. I'm, I'm diagnosed, documented, confirmed all over my medical chart. It even states my provider put temporal causation from time of booster injection to symptom onset. And it has confirmed vaccine injury, confirmed, like, it's all over my chart. Did they, do you get compensation in that <laughs> instance, or is that, is that asking I'm in the queue. <laughs> right. I'm in the queue, Kev. Oh, the government funny. doesn't give a shit about us. Mm. They all know about us. We've met with them. Mm. They I don't care. Bernie Sanders person, heard my story. <laughs> I think one person has received compensation. Uh, it, was only, it was only through, like, a, it wasn't... It wasn't even through I think the process. About six. It's still in process. Six is it total. Six? Wow. Look at that. So six total for a grand total of less than twenty grand between six folks, and there are about twelve thousand plus in the review queue, and there's a ninety-seven percent denial rate. Wow. This is the CICP, so it hasn't even made it to the vaccine injured program because it doesn't even have its own ICD ten code. So that's why another reason I was like, why can they put it on the childhood schedule? It's not even got an ICD-10 code. How are they compensating for this? So they're working around it. So what my T code, I have a T code. And so mine is adverse reaction to mRNA vaccine, other viral biologics. So it's T50.95B, I think. Something like that. It's a a different ICD-10 code that they're coding for it. Mm. Yeah, because I know know the... the the board that makes the decision to put it on the, not the, it's not the schedule yeah. or whatever it is. It, you don't get a jury. You, you have exactly. like, you don't get representation. Like they take your info, which you have, they look at it. If they don't like it, they say, fuck it. And they throw it out and the, you can appeal it, but then they're going to do the same thing because you're not going to get a jury trial or, you know, investigation really. So yeah. it's, it's a bunch of crap. And then, so react 19, our grassroots that we started, we've paid out, we have a care fund and it goes directly to the injured. Mm. They have to apply yeah. for it and, and present documentation and stuff like that for financial, you know, hardships. Mm. But we've paid out over $750,000 to at least 150 plus uh, injured individuals. So I would say at least $10,000 per injured got, got some money from reacts. So, so that's, that's all we, that's all we have. That's, yeah. that's messed up that these corporations have just <laughs> milked everyone. <Yeah. laughs> uh, you just let a grassroots kick your ass, mm. government. Mm. Well, that's, that's poor. 
there is a reckoning, uh, and uh, and we coming for that ass. Uh, there is. Yeah, we're gonna um, liquidate and dissolve everything. Uh, yeah, there's uh, this gentleman named by uh, Cal Washington. He runs uh, InPowerMovement.org. They're already six months uh, into sending notices of liability to like WHO and uh, like CDC, FDA, Fauci for like mil- m- m- millions of dollars and for real. Uh, so if, if you guys are looking or if anyone out there, uh, InPowerMovement.org, um, you know, check them out. Really good. Uh, organization i'm i'm affiliated with affiliated with them uh, and what he did is he developed a notice of liability that at the end of the process has a monetary value so it's more so than hey man this is bad it's like hey man this is bad and if you don't do this then you're going to owe me x amount of money and when you realize that the court systems are basically all courts of equity then when you go in there talking about constitutional rights and you're not in the right court but they don't tell you that uh so but if you go in there with an item that has monetary value well then you do have standing and uh and i completed my own notice of liability i'm going to be sending out a true bill out like this well next, i guess today's saturday so next week uh and it's going to be a million dollars for my state health director my um local health director in the county county mm-hmm. commission like and i'm on, on on the other side of that this is kind of where it evolved it's funny you mentioned react 19 because i sent them i, I spoke I, I i'm not going to mention any names but I spoke to uh, the board out there and i sent them everything that i did in virginia and mm-hmm. i said let me f- move through this nol process notice of liability process and then see if it works and then there may be some serious serious bullets being put into uh the legal guns for all those who are vaccine injured because um it it needs to happen and uh so at the end of this what i'm looking at doing uh because i also i combined cal washington's approach which with david jose's constitutional uh notice approach Mm -hmm. i have constitutional notices maxims of law and then i have um the notice of liability which creates the um uh, the, the monetary value and which the can, idea is, is what creates a standing correct yep. yeah in court in courts of equity and the idea is to take that because within the contract and it's a self-executing contract so if they they don't respond then you know silence is acquiescence acquiescence is silence it's tacit agreement um and when they fail to act basically it everything stands uh and then there's a specific line item where i get to choose who my arbiter is or who you know who, who arbitrates you know if there is any any issues uh, and i'm also working with an organization here locally within the county uh to to be a common law grand jury so we're nice. going to convene and i'm going to present that true bill and at the end a, a every grand jury um issues an indictment a presentment or a declaration in the form of a true bill uh so then i'll take both of those and then i'll file a claim against the public service bond for the people who are holding office and then the bond company will pay me and the bond company will go after them for the money right and the thing is is that in the united states you have to have a public service bond in order to to hold office so if your bond gets canceled you can't hold office find another job that's the theory we'll find out probably by march april this year yeah i've got a feeling they'll just keep giving everyone to run around and uh when they when they make the rules yeah yeah no but it's it's not rights this is equity and law 
right? And the law merchant, so we're dealing with monetary value. So they can't say that the contract, that basically it's going to come down to them saying that the contract isn't valid when they had every opportunity to, to do it. And they basically just acquiesce by not responding. Mm. No, I like that. I like that. Wow. And I know you've talked about this a little bit before, but it's good to see that it's good to be able to catch up and because I've listened to your past streams. It's good to be able to see that you're making progress. You're finding these different areas. And I having, once again, I, 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 with, if not for the pandemic, I would be in law school right now because that's what I was going to do after my MBA. And so um, actually, oh shit, I'd be almost done because I was almost done with my MBA when I started. I'd be in year three already. So yeah, I, oh, I, I really like the combination of them. What's that? I said, fuck school. I ain't going back. I'll get my PhD in vaccine injury in the pandemic. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm halfway to virology right now, so I feel pretty good. If, and if anybody wants uh, an example of what those notices of liability look like and kind of that process, I did um, in in my Substack <laughs> and the year review on the bottom of that article. I say step one, step two, and step three, and it, it'll link to a, a script D where that language is is laid out. That's cool. I mean, I, I'm all for trying to claw back as many ways as possible. I mean, my, my real concern right now is it's just that the moves being made are so gargantuan, right? The, I, I'm not sure what's on the other, the other side of this. And, you know, since I've had human prion protein catalysis confirmed, I'm like, I, I, it's just had to, it's just shunted me over into, well, that's, that's put us right at the, the dark end of the spectrum here. And so that means that the yeah. clock is ticking. Put me in a funk. That is what you said um, about uh, them putting it into the soil and then going into the plants and then being expressed at. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it, it's essentially a bioaccumulative um, toxin, I guess, for one, a self-amplifying toxin. In, in this instance, and that doesn't doesn't bode well right now. And if if they so if someone initiated this as a series of of events, and I don't I can't divorce the geopolitical moves that are being made, and I can't divorce the when when these people are saying to your face. Um, we need to manage populations. We need to get them down. We need um, all, all this type of uh, technocratic um, intervention into into people's lives. Um, I'm now, you know, what I considered to be, yeah, I didn't dismiss it before, but it it, it seemed abstract and remote. Suddenly, it's not remote anymore, and I'm trying to. Now, I played this clip. It, it was uh, Jesse Matchy who sort of put it on my timeline. And there's this guy basically saying, the Club of Rome group, that, well, yeah, we've got to bring the population down and you have to do it in a way as um, camouflaged as possible. And the disturbing thing is as egalitarian as possible. And what, <clears throat> that, what that just means is everyone just was forced to draw, not... 
lots, I guess, would be the what you would say draw lots, but it wasn't. You were you were essentially forced into the um the the process of for, forcing you towards this controlled reduction. And that that things could get really, really dark very, very quickly. And that they have to they have to maintain the distraction events at a at a maximal pace in order to get to the point where the uh, the impact on people's physiology and biology is so overwhelming that they're unable to um, push back in any meaningful sense. You know, you ain't going to have the energy for um, doing much beyond well, <laughs> essentially what us a bunch of broken cripples are doing at the moment, which is moved from. <laughs> Yeah. Desk, desk to desk to bed no quality of life man it's like i swear to god i went from the top health of my life being a college athlete and being looked at to go professionally in softball and being a nurse and then freaking <laughs> now i'm like a copd or congestive mm. heart cancer patient this is like no quality of life whatsoever mm. so that, that was my overwhelming experience when I, and this, this yeah. is why I'm so sympathetic to still grieving my old life. Mm, yeah. And it's, a, it's, like, it takes a long, long time psychologically to uh, um, yeah. get past that. And then you sort of, well, okay. You, you sort of come to terms with where you're at, what you, what you can do. And, right. th and actually this time around post COVID, because I've already been through that process. Um, I'm just like ah, okay, <laughs> it's where it is now, and I'm, um, I, I consider myself to be, eh, you know, it could be, it could always be way worse, right? And um, yeah, I could be dead. I yeah, be yeah, you could be dead, right? And uh, <laughs> I should be talking to you right now, technically. Um, honestly, I shouldn't be here. And you, you, you will, you will come back to a, a somewhat of an equilibrium, right? You're baseline of some sorts mm -hmm. and you, you're not in the state you were whatever i don't know when the booster was 18 months ago two years ago two years ago two years yeah. um but you know you can see from the pictures right that there's uh yeah look, <laughs> look at that bald beauty mm. and that, that was i was, that, that was, I was in, my, got me. in my deathbed yeah when i was like i said i was in my 20s and i remember just um, in the weeks after, I, I remember just like clumps of my hair falling out. It's like, holy fuck, what the, what, what, what's that about, right? Um, I look like Smeagol. <laughs> um, I have videos, oh my God, y'all have, have some funny videos because I lost my eyebrows, I lost my eyelashes. I looked like Smeagol. I was, I still have my humor, thank God. And I have a very dark sense of humor. <laughs> and um, Well, you'll fit right I, in here. Guys, videos, and I was doing raps. Oh, I'll push those boundaries, though. Don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> You'll like, love it. Yeah. Well, nobody's asking for that, Kevin. It's not a contest. Jeez. <laughs> oh, All right. I, I'm actually, I'm actually going to have to pull the ripcord because I've got. I'm about done with uh, sitting on this purple, purple <laughs> pillow. Whatever. I'm, I'm old. I'm old. My ass is hurting too. I'll just, 
Like I was telling, I was telling Kevin this thirteen dollar Walmart chair. So, yeah, oh. you might might just want to spend fifty bucks on a chair. <laughs> I have a pregnant pillow. I've never been pregnant, but this thing cuddles you like you're in a cocoon, and it's fabulous. Well, I, just... I have a giant. I have a giant, like twelve hundred dollar leather thing that went with my five thousand dollar desk in the house that I no longer have. So, I uh, I actually still have that in storage, but it's in Texas. Relationship, <laughs> hey, uh, right, yeah, buddy. People are talking about getting you in a shower. Um, I'm, uh, I'm definitely pulling the look <laughs> right now. I don't know what's going on in the chat. <laughs> That's what I just saw uh, come up on the chat. I so, uh, get her in a shower. Um, made me. I'm not sure what that means. I don't know. I, I'm sort of. I'm not uh, sure what, where they're going with that, but I don't know. <laughs> But uh, that's probably a good sign too. Right? Hey, that the the, 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 the audience is getting rowdy, They're getting uh... easy hey, fellas. We had 190 something people watching just a second ago. So really, that's good. wow! Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just on is. Rumble, just yes. on Rumble. It's Doctor Cat because he's on here. Yeah, yeah. Um, we we well, need to I do mean, a stream, dude. Of just uh... it could be it could be any number of us, but you know, what, where's the gun show, Rixie? <laughs> Yeah, there you go. Yeah, well, I don't. I don't have any guns, so I just have the tattoo. It makes me look like I have bigger arms or something. So, anyway, yeah, there's uh, there's well over two hundred watching across uh, platforms. Um, I'd like well, to say it's definitely not because of us. So <laughs> we, we talk. You listen here. should be where you're doing, but we're um, fucking awesome. We're 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 down for maintenance right now, but. Uh, if you want the fireworks, it's in the first two hours. I don't know. What's that? Two hours that talk? I'm not even sure. But um, I'm having more fun now. But before it was just you talking. So and then I would check. Yeah, we'll have to do this every night. It's like the gang's all here. Mm. So um, what, what are you eating? Soup? Yep. Cream and oh. chicken soup. Cream of chickens. Oh, beef broth is good for yeah, you. I'm beef. spoiling myself because this one has the salt in it, unlike the stuff I had yesterday. You need salt. Salt's good for you. Mm. That's what helps my pots. Yep. I need some pot for my pots. Maybe that's the cure. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the other thing that everyone is just like, well, you should get, should get some cannabinoids in you. <laughs> I'm like, okay. North Carolina is still illegal here, so I'm like, come on, get it together, guys, mm. at least medicinally. Yeah, Japan would be awesome if the, <laughs> they allowed it, but no, um, it's, it's hold not. on, Lindsay. Where, where are you at? North think, Carolina, it's legal, is it? Do, do, Since do, when? Do, Ask him how he knows. It's yeah. like last only, week. <laughs> well, the only thing I knew was like the Cherokee reservation had a dispensary, but that was the only one you could, like, you know, go to get your card or whatever. THC Alpha. It's it's not it's it's not delta nine. It's a THC alpha. Basically, mm -hmm. what they do is they 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 grow it in a um mm -hmm. uh, in a, in an air conditioned environment, so it doesn't convert over. But as soon as you heat it up, then it converts over. It's all natural mm -hmm. flour, and it's available at your local store. I know it is right down the street from me, and I'm also in North Carolina. That's a so uh, it's great. We'll have to get up. Yep. There you go. Yeah. Let's do it. Please close. Do. All right, Gev, you just got to fly on over. Hop the pond. 
Yeah, I will. I will end. I'm saying, someone's saying I need to make a quick summary video of prions. Um, yeah, uh. maybe. I did, well, no, it was still long yesterday, but yeah, it's, it's a tough one to, without sort of the experimental data to my hand to sh demonstrate what, what I'm talking about, you have to talk in papers and in the abstract and you have to, you've got to try and explain a very complex and not a well understood topic right now. And it's, it's tough if people, I watched some woman, um, some black chick just relaying to kids that, you know, there's, um, why is everyone sick right now, et cetera. And, you know, um, wastewater COVID is through the roof, et cetera. And, um, you don't want to, um, be bored and everything, but it was brilliantly done over sort of like three, four minutes. <laughs> I had to speak to the youth in, in, in TikTok language. I was like, dang, that's a, that's a skill set. I, I need to learn. Um, but I'm too old for that. Swiss cheese brain. What's cheese brain? Swiss cheese brain. Swiss cheese brain. Earth fog curtains. Swiss cheese brain. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a that's a sponge zombie brain. Zombie. Sponge brain. That's that's what I'm settling. All right, guys. Yeah, I'm gonna have. I'm gonna have some scan for you to look at from some injured that are concerning to me, but I'll send them to you later. Okay. okay. All right. Um, thanks very much, guys. I will um, see you in the next one, I guess. Uh, Many blessings. Yeah. Bye, y'all. Prayers, bro. Bye, <laughs> Bye. <laughs> All right. Uh, that's um, it for today. Yeah. Again, I would just say, I've got to get out of this chair. I'm crippled right now. But uh, uh, if you want fireworks, watch the first two hours. And um, the, ah, it was just um, friendly banter at the end there just uh you know keeping you giving you company like the like the old i was old-fashioned old-timey radios all right um i'm out of here take care god bless and oh i didn't read out i saw there were some donos uh sent to the doc um let me just do that real quick um i want to say thank you to uh load please um more damn beans gaza uh you are still warts you keep this you keep the channel you keep this um alive uh gina uh fex um magneto uh dm and fex thank you thank you thank you much much appreciated i will be back uh later i was just gonna say the uh the previous stream i did to this where people were saying can you not can you not do like a bit more geopolitics like you were doing and i was like well there's there's no stories etc the story is that there isn't a story coming out ukraine etc but uh, it all teed off uh, <laughs> right after so uh, i want to sort of cover uh, what's going on uh, take a look at um uh the the war more war all right uh, i'm out of here have a pleasant uh weekend uh, for those of you that still have much of a weekend left i'll see you in the next one you, you don't, don't know how angry i am Dead serious. I am fucking dead serious.